Welcome, Master Jedi. My name is Rena Owen. I'm best known for my role as Ton Wee in George Lucas's episode two, Attack of the Clones. Beth Hecker in New Zealand's film Once Were Warriors. And you can currently see me as Helen Hawkins in Siren, which is on Hulu. I'm also in another show that's also on Hulu called The Awful. And soon to come on to Hulu is an Australian miniseries called The Gloaming. And I'm very happy and very honoured to have been here on Below the Belt. Check it out. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. We have another incredible show from top to bottom, starting with a two-man panel. That's right, guys. Uh, he is uh, the one and only, the king of the 80s, the D, motivational speaker, the one and only Chachi McFly. You tell me to come back on the show. You're going to have all these sexy co-hosts. And what happens? Yes. Um, sadly, we were expecting the lovely Aussie from Down Under. Jessica Ray Taylor uh, of Click on this show. However, um, she had some uh, last-minute um, family emergency issues, so um, sadly she will not be joining us tonight. But so later, here we are. Here we <laughs> so are. here we are. This is the A team, man. This is a uh, two of the three of the A team here on BTV, with the third being the General Zod, who's oh, actually, part of the A team now. Yeah, he's definitely part of the A team. He's over in. He's he's like definitely like Murdoch or somebody then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right he's he's not he's not so, like ba so, uh, or hannibal oh okay so who would i who would you and i be ba and hannibal yeah i'll be hannibal and you how about you i'll be ba that's fine You're ba okay yeah. <laughs> mr t. t yes well zod is traveling to the beach the eastern shore but chachi you are actually up north um and uh a very very cool city um and uh one that has so much to offer and uh yeah tell us about the trip i went up to chicago for a work trip you know unrelated to bb you know uh, another thing that pays pays a little better <laughs> but i mean chicago is definitely a cool city i mean they have probably double the murders that baltimore has but probably oh. like 100 times as many things to do as baltimore Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. There's not much to do here. I mean, we lived here, you know, our whole lives. There's not, there's not much, much to do in Baltimore, North Carolina, and that's where I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely way more to do in Chicago, 
got some tasty um, deep dish pizza, which I'm not no. even really a fan of deep dish, but you know, amazing, this restaurant man. we went to was amazing. Um, it wasn't Pizzeria Uno's. We're talking a little bit more of mom and pops, right? No, well, Pizzeria Uno's, I went there too, and that's, oh, they okay. said they invented deep dish. Right. Uh, Pizzeria Uno's there was like the first one. That was a, the Uno, Pizzeria Uno's, and they had Pizzeria Do or Do, Do, whatever two is in Italian. Oh, yeah. And that's like kind of around the corner, which I was their second location, but this was their first location, and now it's a chain across the country. And it's not even called Pizzeria Uno's anymore around the country. It's called um, Uno's Pizzeria and Uno's Grill Pizzeria. or something. Yeah. But this is still called Pizzeria Uno's in Chicago. But the, Originator, um, yeah. I think it's Giordano's or Giordano's or something like that. Some Italian yeah. name is, is the best deep dish mm-hmm. pizza in Chicago. And it, it was pretty amazing. It took 45 minutes to cook it, but it was definitely worth the wait. You know, and did a lot of the tour stuff. A deep dish pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely worth it. But, you know, did a lot of tour stuff. Went up to the, I still call it the Sears Tower, but the Willis Tower. And, you know, recreated a lot of the things. Sears went out of business, right? Was it related to Sears retail stores? It was. It was. (laughs) Sears Sears started in Chicago, um, and that was their headquarters uh, for a long time. But now it's the Willis Tower. So I'm not sure what even um, Willis means or stands for. But, you know, did a lot of the Ferris Bueller stuff like he did at the um, Sears Tower and, um, you know, saw the um, where the the art gallery where um, Ferris and the crew went on the day off. And saw like priceless works of art, you know, did a tour of um, Wrigley Field, the historic nice. Wrigley Field, which they went to on their day off. Um Went to the town from Groundhog Day, where they filmed that. That was actually in um, near Chicago. It wasn't the um, wasn't in Pennsylvania where it, it took place on screen. It was actually filmed in Chicago. Uh, saw the Stranger Things Experience Store, which is really cool. Was it the um, same as New York City? I believe it was. It was. It was. Looked yes. fairly identical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was very crowded. Um, I'm glad COVID's uh, supposedly over. <laughs> um, went to Milwaukee for a while, you know, uh, went to the Harley-Davidson Museum, um, the Pabst um, Brewery Tour, the Pabst awesome. Mansion. That all came out of um, Wisconsin, Milwaukee. I did. I did. Nice. And it was cool because my grandfather was a big um, Pabst drinker, Pabst Blue Ribbon. So it was cool um, doing the tour where that originated, even though they don't brew there anymore. It's just for a, a tour now. But um a lot of the breweries moved out of um, Milwaukee. Smaller, um, smaller ones are left, but a lot of the big ones are left. Right. Well, PBR Baltimore claims PBR for some reason, but you're saying it originated in Milwaukee? PBR Baltimore? That's yeah. professional bull riding. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not past well, Blue Ribbon. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of uh, Natty Bow. Natty Bow. Natty Bow um, got bought up by the same company who bought up um, Paps. So, um, yeah, so so that company bought up a lot of the smaller breweries around the country. Oh, okay. And that's why, um, that's why Natty Bo has gone from Baltimore, the same as Pabst has gone from Milwaukee. Ah. And they consolidated everything. Oh. Yeah, so you, see, so you learn stuff here on Blow the Belt. I, I feel like every time you take a trip, I'm learning something from you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of running around. It's, um. Yeah. You get to see the the water fountain from the intro to Mary's Children. Yeah. Um, 
Chicago is a cool city. Like like um, ton of beautiful women in Chicago walking around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing, nothing taken away from the Baltimore women, but yeah, no, of <laughs> Chicago may have a speed. You know what? It seems like every time I go to a new city, I, I say the same about the women. Uh, um, in, in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, for instance, I saw a ton of hot women, you know? They do, yeah. Yeah. And, and they probably even, were friendlier than the women here in Baltimore, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yes, yes. <laughs> it like, must be a coincidence. I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> it must be that Southern charm, right? I don't know. Well, I mean, or the Midwest. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. Um, and I guess I should really uh, throw out really quick because uh, when I recorded last week's show it was before I saw a BTB good friend of the show, um, reality TV icon Johnny Fairplay, got to stop by his casa, uh, play some pinball, um, meet his new girlfriend, and got to check out Danville, North Carolina, which is right above the North Carolina border, about an hour from Raleigh. So hit that stop. Uh, to sample some of the what down about the North Carolina border is right north there? of the right north of the North Carolina border, like the most southern part of Virginia. Of oh, Virginia, okay. Yeah, is Danville, Virginia. And, ha- yeah. and how was Fairplay's house? Is it all like a a shrine to himself? <laughs> you would think it was. <laughs> is it? Does he have like I guess, house? And I, guess, I think you you can get a lot of bang for your buck in uh, in Danville, uh, Virginia, for for the house really? that you can get. I can um, picture him having his um. What do you what do you call the um the handkerchief they have from Survivor? Oh yeah, the buff. They call them buffs. The buff, yeah, the buffs hanging out all over the walls. Is that yeah. how it is? Like <laughs> he's got a nice little man cave area, okay. with, you know, the pool table and his all his vinyls and records and um and all of his uh you know he's got Survivor memorabilia hanging out. He's actually you know what he's actually got his own beer. His he's own beer. His fair play beer. fair play yeah. beer. I got the sample some fair play beer. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought that was really cool. I guess he partnered up with some local brewery and uh, had a like. It's uh, like um, syphilis. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love Fairplay. Like, yeah, Fairplay's a good guy. I've seen him in years. Yeah, it was good to see Johnny, um, you know, from my travels to uh, Durham, North Carolina. And, of course, thank you to the production team of Ferguson because I had a really great time uh, simulating doing manual labor. Um, <laughs> I get paid well for it, so. Um, but thank you very much uh, to to uh, Ferguson and of course um, Hudson Talent Agency. So I got to give them a shout out. So awesome. Well, let, let's uh, go right into it and uh, talk about everything going on in the world of entertainment BTB style. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. All right, so let's start off with the box office, guys. All right, uh, as we do. Um, Despite its uh, disappointing debut, Lightyear still managed to uh, rack up $51 during its domestic debut over Father's Day weekend. However, failed to top Jurassic World Dominion, which uh, had the number one um, spot. Um, with 58.7 million in its second week haul. So a lot of people thought that Lightyear was going to top Jurassic World Dominion, but that was not the case. And yeah, it's I found be a big disappointment for Disney, I think. You think? I mean, despite well, the... Disney always killed with um, all the Toy Story movies, and they, you know, over 100,000 easily. You would expect them to be the number 100 million, one movie, I mean, right? 100 million easily, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's a little. They they called it a disappointing, um, you know, debut. Um, and the thing is, Jurassic World, although it got really, you know, mostly lackluster reviews, um, it still it still is a number one movie. And, and you know, I, I wanted to, you know, you say I'm more more on the side of uh, uh, the audience versus the critics. I wanted to see um, Jurassic World for myself, and I gotta admit. It was very entertaining. The special effects were all over the place. The action sequences with the dinosaurs were great. It was the story was just a little all over the place. The story is weak. Um, yeah, the story was weak. And then they gave precedence to giant locusts over dinosaurs. Yeah. Like the locusts like took the uh, central plot of the movie when we're talking Jurassic World, not Jurassic Locust, right? You know? Um, yeah. That's one thing. Yeah, I somehow the, there yeah. is dinosaurs over the whole world now. Like, yeah, spread over the whole world. This is a weird story. Like it, it's definitely a money grab. I mean, it felt more like a Mission Impossible type movie to me than a Jurassic mm-hmm. Park or Jurassic World type of movie. Yeah, it, well, it didn't have the same feel. Yeah, but I mean, obviously from the last Jurassic World movie that came out, we did see the dinosaurs escape. So they are continuing that story. That's why the dinosaurs are right. But there was all over the whole world though. All over the whole world now. So I guess yeah, <laughs> you're right. so dinosaurs can swim to the other continents. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, because you know if they were released from one park and they're breeding, you know, reproducing whatever, they still would wouldn't be able to make their way over uh, to other parts of the world, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it's just a weird um, story. I yeah. I mean, it was cool seeing everybody back from the original Jurassic Park movies. Right. I, I oh, I love seeing part. the OGs. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have loved to see more Jeffrey Goldblum because he's such a good guy. Right. Great actor. But um, his role is uh, a little more of a smaller supporting role. But um, uh, number three, still um, at the, you know, still breaking in that money is Top Gun. Um, Top Gun Maverick. Um, yeah. Um, Which goes to show you that, I mean, Jurassic Park's a way bigger franchise than Top Gun. Right. So it goes to show you, you make a, a good action movie that's enjoyable, great storyline, everything, and people are mm-hmm. going to respond, and people have been responding. But if you're going to do like money grabs, which I think Jurassic, um, the last Jurassic World and um, even um, Lightyear was, you know, people are going to see through it. I have not seen Lightyear yet. Can you comment on Lightyear? I haven't yet either. Okay. I mean, I think a lot of people are in the same boat. They're like, oh, I'll just wait for Disney Plus. Like, there's no hurry to go see it, you know? It, it actually has a really quick turnover on Disney Plus, a lot of the movies, yeah. It's kind of a weird story, too, where, like, this is, like, the real Buzz Lightyear. Correct, like, the toy, yeah. And it says a different voice for some reason. Like, why wouldn't... Why wouldn't the same actor voice yeah, the... Um, I read an article. They, they, they Voice the toy. Answer. Because the toy is based on an actual person. So this is Buzz Lightyear, the person. So the toy, right, but... they're thinking the toy wouldn't mimic the actual person to a T. So that, I mean, I guess logically it makes kind of sense. Why? Couldn't that person voice it, though? Unless he's just a, a bad um, voiceover guy? I differentiate the, the Buzz that we knew and love. It's a toy form, and this is the human form. I don't know. I think that's what the article alluded to, but um, know, but, but like you know, like back in the day when you used to buy like the Mr. T doll, that was Mr. T's voice and same with like the Hugh Herman doll. <laughs> right. Like, it wasn't like a different actor doing yeah. the voice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah, they could have done that. They got gone that route, but uh, I know that um, the, the um, Woody um, 
Dao at one point used um used the brother of um of what's his face oh Tom Hanks. Oh, so okay. Well, there you go. They're trying for something like that. Okay, well that 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 might make sense. Yeah, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Um, uh, Doctor Strange and Bob's Burger took fourth and fifth place respectively. But really quick, back to Top Gun Maverick. Nine, 901.8 million in the bank. Almost 902 million in the bank, guys. Um, Good. So it's, uh, it's, it's quickly reaching that 1 billion mark. So, uh, and who could have predicted that? Because, I mean, this was yeah. – could it easily have been like a disaster. You know, a sequel to Top Gun, like so many years, so many decades after the original. Yep. Um, you know, so and well bringing people seen. back. Uh, I mean, Tom Cruise did it. He did it, man. I got to give it to him, man. And he's uh, he's one of the few actors that uh, just can can continually rule the box office. And if you notice, Tom hasn't done a TV series. He's like him and Leo DiCaprio. I know Leo's done Growing Pains, but um, yeah, if you notice, neither actor has right. done has done television. So, um, and it makes sense, you know, if they can rule the box office. Why not? I mean, he looks almost the same as Top Gun the original. He's aged very well. It's, it's that Scientology, man. I don't know something, whatever they, whatever tank they're putting him in there, like the, <laughs> yeah, back to tank or something. Like, you think he's using a back to tank? <laughs> something, whatever he's doing is, is working. It's definitely working. So I'm ready to but, sign up for Scientology. Right. <laughs> or go to a, a galaxy far away and get into a back. But yeah, the movie had more action than the original, which is crazy. You know, yeah. I, I still love the original. It's still. The original is more of, of like a love story. It was more like I thought it did better with the music, but I mean this one had more action. Like, and that's rare that you're going to have a sequel that's going to have, you know, better action than than a beloved original. Yeah, yeah, and I think we we, we discussed this um, a couple of weeks ago about the sequels that were better, and uh, and Top Gun was like equally as good, or maybe even maybe even a little better than the original. So. Um, all right, so what can we expect to top the box office in the upcoming weeks? Um, one is Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. This is the musical biopic, which uh, got a 12-minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, they're predicting $30 million, uh, from its domestic box office debut. Um, I think it's going to do uh, great. The trailer looks fantastic. Kudos to Awesome Butler. Who was on a, a show called Shannara Chronicles when we were at the New York Comic Con Chacha? And if you remember this, and just a humble actor talked to us, you know. And now look at him now. He's uh, the lead actor playing Elvis, the iconic Elvis Presley. Um, so that's really, really cool. Um, so looking forward to seeing that. Also, Black Phone. That looks great. Yeah. I mean, the music sounds great um, just from the trailer. The music. Yeah, I don't think there's. Has there been a big budget Elvis movie ever? Ooh. You know, yeah, not you know, not first. with Elvis, like not with the real Elvis Presley. Not with the real Elvis. Yeah, I I think you might be right on that actually. I don't think there has been a, a bit budget. Which is surprising. I'm such an iconic um figure. You know, and you know, I would you know, I I would have loved to see the tie-in of Riley Keough playing um Priscilla Presley. Um, I think that would have been oh, cool. Yeah. She would have played you know playing her her uh her grandmother. Um, that been cool. But, uh, they they ended up casting another actress, but uh. Um, but yeah, I thought that that would have been a great tie-in. Um, but um, the Black Phone, another big movie. Um, that's uh, a kitty kidnap. Yeah, kitty kidnap horror pick. 
Um, a suburban teen gets abducted and struggles to escape his captor's soundproof basement. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can, you can relate, can't you? <laughs> not never. <laughs> I've never kidnapped a kid and put him in a soundproof basement. Yeah. It's not a kid, but. but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 well, no. <laughs> well, this okay. So apparently, this movie uh, is influenced by Stranger Things and 2017's It. Um, well, say no more. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's two um, two great properties there. Yeah. I mean, the first It was. I thought the first It was great. The second one, I was disappointed in the sequel. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Let's let's look forward to seeing this one. I mean. Uh, Apparently, um, they call it very Stephen King-ish. Um, and um, apparently, um, it's very it has influences with King's adaptations to Dr. Sleep. Um, so look for that influence as well in the film as well. So, um, All right, so the, um, the story of uh, The Black Phone is by Joe Hill. Um, and it's directed by Scott Derrickson. Okay, Stephen King does have a son named Joe. And that's him. That's Stephen okay. King's son. <laughs> Stephen so, King's son. So yeah, yeah, so he did um, he did a bunch of um, stories. Okay, Joe Hill is Stephen King's dad. Oh, no, no Joe, no, Hill, Joe, Joe, Joe Hill is his son. Stephen King's son, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Which I didn't know he even had any kids that wrote, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So of course have expect the film to have a lot of influences by by his dad. I mean Stephen King is just a genius when it comes to creating stories. I mean you got to figure how many movies that we've watched, you know, that have been taken off off of his books, like even like movies like Stand by Me and Green Mile and those kind of movies. Yeah. All Stephen King stories. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's coming up. Another great horror movie is Nope. <laughs> what a funny title, but it's Jordan Peele's okay. upcoming horror epic. They're actually having a big event in Hollywood on July 25th, um, where you can take a horseback ride to the Hollywood sign, get a Nope theme menu and exclusive pre-screening content and more. I wonder, that's pretty cool. I'm wondering what, horseback riding has to do with no but i guess that's a, a nice little giveaway for what you can expect in the film i guess well um, in the trailer in the trailer they um have a ranch and they uh, ride horses on the ranch ah well there you go there you go you're one step ahead Chach. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah you can actually uh purchase tickets for this event in uh happening on uh, july 25th yeah man all right, that's uh, upcoming stuff that was number one on the list. Number two is all the stuff in Marvel and Disney coming out cinema-wise. All right, so um, so the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4, um, apparently uh, Kevin Feige has some answers, some clarity about MCU's direction in the upcoming months. And he basically says, as we're nearing the end of Phase 4, I think people will start to see where this next saga is going. I think there have been many clues already that are at least apparent to me of where this whole saga is going. But we'll be a little more direct about that in the upcoming months uh, to set a plan so audiences who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny bit more of the roadmap. So um, 
upcoming phase four movies next month or Love Wait, so he said he said we're ending the phase we're nearing the end of phase four we're nearing the end of phase four so these are the remaining yeah phase four, phase four yeah phase four kind of started with uh, the new spider-man movie right and that's the last movie it's been like two movies so far <laughs> yeah i know right? it's weird i guess he has it all mapped out but here are the upcoming ones um maybe he's four, ending ending phase four we're not ending phase four <laughs> he is yeah i guess as far as like what what's uh in production right so we have thor love and thunder black panther wakanda forever ant-man and the wasp quantum mania gardens of galaxy volume three and the marvels and of course upcoming series include Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Secret Evasion. All right, so those uh, upcoming series are tied into also Phase Four. Given um, the series, but the movies sound pretty good. Yeah, the movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But over on Disney, um, pretty exciting projects. They're doing a live adaptation of Hercules. So this is the um, the adaptation is the 1997 animated film Hercules. So. Guy Ritchie, who directed Aladdin in 2019, is going to direct the upcoming Hercules adaptation. So I think that's in very good hands. Will star Hercules Hernandez? Oh, I think he had sadly had passed away. Did Hercules Hernandez die? Yeah. Shit. I know, right? I, I like him. Yeah, I know. It's sad. It's sad. A lot, of our, superstar. a lot of our heroes in the ring have passed away, guys. Um, and there's also an animated film called Strange Worlds. Uh, produced by Disney Animation Studios with Dennis Quaid, Lucy Liu, Gabrielle Union. Um, that's directed by Big Hero 6 um, Helmer Don Hall. Um, and Strange World um, is inspired by the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Jules Verne, a throwback tale. Um, we'll welcome trusty companions and bizarre new creations. Okay. What a great synopsis. Yeah, I know, right? It's an upcoming action adventure film. So but Hercules, Hercules Hernandez died in two thousand four. Yeah, that was quite some time ago. Yeah. And you sent me this chachu, I didn't even know. Uh Kristen Bell um said uh on tonight show with Jimmy Fallon that she wants to officially announce with zero authority Frozen Three. So I wonder if she got any heat from Disney because I guess Disney never made an official statement <laughs> about Frozen, but you can't have Frozen without Dina Menzel and Kristen Bell, right? So what are they gonna do? Fire? Yeah, have somebody from Frozen getting heat. Right, exactly. So, oh, Frozen getting heat. See that? See? Yeah. I, I, I think that was a, a, unintentional. Uh... No, that was definitely intentional. Oh, that was. A... <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what's coming up on Warner Brothers? Well, the upcoming Barbie movie, which thank God is no longer Amy Schumer. <laughs> oh thank god thank god it's now um margot robbie as you know but they just released the first images of ken played by ryan gosling and apparently a lot of women on social media are loving the uh, photo of ken um you know a denim vest um calvin klein ask underwear that says ken instead of calvin klein um too many women uh Talking about this, uh, let's see Margot. I want to see Margot Robbie, guys. Come on, let's see Margot. Yeah, I mean, can we can we all go over women? I mean, don't we get called names? It's like, oh, I can't believe you guys are treating her as a piece of meat. And then all of a sudden, like Ryan Gosling comes out with, without his shirt. They're like, oh my god, I want to jump his bones. So, like, right, exactly. Yeah, it's, like it's how's okay, that fair? Though. It's a, right, right, yeah. I tell you, man, it's crazy. It's crazy, guys. <laughs> uh, 
Like I said, it's the first time I want to play with Barbies, though. So. <laughs> Good job casting uh, Margot Robbie for this. Oh, I love some Margot Robbie, man. I'd love to see her again. One day, we'll get to hang out again. Um, also, Warner Brothers. <laughs> uh, Zoe Kravitz, another one who I love, um, is going to uh, be in The Sundance Kid, which is a, um, a reimagining of the original story. It's a heist genre. Centered on bank robbing twins, but one will have supernatural powers and one won't have powers. Um, so that's a little twist of the upcoming um, um, Sundance Kid, uh, yeah, reimagining, so to speak. That was very weird. Yeah, and of course, Dune Part Two. Leah Sado uh, just landed the role as Lady Margot, a vital ally to Paul Atreides. Uh, who is Timothy Chalamet, of course, in the war with the House of the Harkonnen. So, uh, yes, Dune's uh, sequel uh, in production. Looking forward to that one. All right, number four on uh, my list is uh, Lionsgate films include Hunger Games. Uh, we talked about the prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It just added another cast member. Euphoria's Hunter Schaefer. Hunter Schaefer, who is openly transgender was was a, one of the stars of of uh, euphoria which was an excellent series if you haven't seen it um actually met hunter at the um entertainment weekly uh party a couple of years back um and a couple of uh, euphoria cast members um it's really nice uh took time to say hi and post for a photo op um and uh yeah um i i'm really looking forward to this uh hunger games prequel Definitely a big fan of the movies. Um, you know, what's not to love about Jennifer Lawrence? But, of course, this is a prequel years and years before the Hunger Games movies. So, um, so she expect- won't be in it. She won't be in it, yeah. But you'll see a, a young version of Coriolanus. Um, uh, we will also see um, Olivia Cook's um, new um, car project on Lionsgate called Breeders. Um, and um, if you don't know who Olivia Cook is, you'll know who she is by this fall because she is the star of House of the Dragon, the upcoming Game of Thrones oh. prequel. Yeah, I know, right? All right, you over might on hate her, you might love her. You might hate her, you might love her. We'll have to see what happens. Right? She's kind of like the Daenerys of the upcoming House of the Dragon. So, all right, eight twenty four films include Zach Efron's The Iron Claw, and uh, excited I was excited to read about this one. Follows the rise and fall of the wrestling family, the Von Erichs. As you know, oh wow, Kevin Von Erich was the sole, I think, brother that survived, and you have all the other brothers that have sadly passed away, all from oh, extremely tragic family. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they talked about that in, in the one of the documentaries that you watched, The Dark Side of the Ring. They did. The they did that whole episode of the Von Erics. Um, yeah. Yeah, they were big on the Texas, um, what was the name of the territory? But, like, they were the biggest stars in Texas, that family. You know, they were yeah. like the, the Hulk Hogan, you know, that we watched growing up. Like, like they were all like the like a family of Hulk Hogan's. Yeah. And, you know, each one, um, except for one survived, like, passed tragically in the – was it Kerry Von Eric, the Texas Tornado? He's the one that made it to the WWE and then passed away. But he was probably the biggest star that um, Kerry Von Eric nationally. Yeah. yeah, he went on to WWE and got fame from WWE. And I don't think right. the other 
the other wrestlers have made it to the WWE. Um, I don't think so. But I'm curious. I'm curious if Zach is playing uh, Kevin or is going to play Carrie or I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but the one's daughter, Lacey Von Eric, like she is a looker. She's a looker, but she kind of like dropped off um, the wrestling. She did. Yeah, for whatever. Yeah, reason. I thought she had a bright future. Like she kind of, she kind of started like when it wasn't that big of an emphasis on on women's wrestling at the time. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if she would have broke later that she would have been more popular. Especially yeah, with really, all these like legacy wrestlers. They're really emphasizing looks and the ability to work in the ring as previously yeah. it wasn't as required. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Overall, also on A24, a movie called A Different Man with Sebastian Stan, the Winter Sol- Soldier himself. And um, apparently he's an outcast seeking a new life and a fresh start. So he undergoes facial reconstructive surgery and becomes fixated on a man starring as him in a stage production based on his former life. That sounds so creepy. (laughs) A different man. Wow. That's really wild. Very intriguing, intriguing storyline there. All right. Number six over on Sony. All right. Um, The Equalizer 3 with Denzel Washington. Um, they have a new cast member in Dakota Fanning. So this is the third oh. film in the action franchise. Yeah. So if you're a fan of the Equalizer film, we should be excited for that. Or a fan, uh, fan of Dakota. Yeah. And Dakota Fanning is great. Yeah. I mean, my favorite Dakota is Dakota Johnson, but Dakota yeah. Fanning is great too. Yeah. And you know where she came from? <laughs> Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there's this um, other movie, this kid's movie called Lyle Lyle Crocodile that just dropped a trailer. It's a croc it's a singing crocodile. Uh Sean Mendez is you know voices the crocodile and uh, it's constant woo and uh <laughs> uh Winslow Fegley. Um and Winslow was was a great kid that we actually interviewed um at Sundance a few years ago. Brisbane. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, congrats on a horrible sounding movie. La La Crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Javier Bardem. So, um, all yeah. right. I think a movie that no one's ever going to pronounce. <laughs> Lyle, Lyle. You know it, I mean? it rhymes. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Is that all that? Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely a mouthful. <laughs> all right. Um, just a few Tribeca winners. Uh, Good Girl Jane and The Cave of Adullam were among the top winners. Good Girl Jane won the Founders Award for Best U.S. Narrative Feature with a $20,000 prize. Um, so congrats to that. Also, the HBO documentary Katrina Babies um, won a documentary award, which was um, – Young people who are between the ages of 319 when they experienced the Hurricane Katrina. So that took uh, home the Best Documentary Director mm. Award. Um, and speaking of New York, um, Broadway is bringing Back to the Future to Broadway. Um, I saw that. Yes. Uh, they actually published a teaser trailer. Um, and apparently, yeah. I mean, I, I guess they're gonna have to come up with a lot of music. Uh, I, I don't, are, are we gonna get the the, the power of love and and, uh, and all those uh, better songs Johnny be South? good. Yeah, Johnny be good. Earth Angel. Yeah. yeah. 
I think this back is, in time. I think if you're gonna do a musical, this is a this is a movie that will work. I think. Um, you just have to amp up the musical numbers, you know. But I I can see it being very very entertaining. And I'm and um it is an it is a stage adaptation of the '80s film, so I guess it's the first one. It's just gonna come. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's it's really exciting. So that's number seven on my list. Number eight. Uh, if we can throw out some Star Wars stuff uh, before uh, our special guest, or should I skip ahead? But now, nah. all right, let's throw out what we can. Um, first of all, if you wanted to know about the upcoming Taika Waititi Star Wars movie, um, Taika Waititi in. Taika Waititi is um, bringing, you know, bringing the um, Star Wars films back. Uh, as you know, they've taken quite a hiatus. Um, as you know, the series have been great. Of course, we're talking about Obi-Wan right now, right? Um, but he says, look for the Star Wars. This is what Taika Waititi said. Look for the Star Wars universe to expand. And he said, um, I don't think that I'm any use in the Star Wars universe making a film where everyone's like, oh, great. Well, that's the blueprints of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, that's Chewbacca's grandmother. Basically... What he's doing is going to stand alone, basically, is what he's saying. Um, he'd right. like to create some new characters, expand the world. Otherwise, it feels like a very small story. So he's developing a Star Wars movie with co-writer Christy Wilson Carnes, who uh, earned an Oscar nomination for Penning Sam Mendes' um, War Thriller 1917. So... Um, it's part of the problem. They have all these people doing these different stories. They need like a, a Kevin to sit there like with Marvel and just hone everything in to one cohesive story. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if he if they decide to do a series of films and this particular film does great, then yes, if he can map out other films, then I think it. It's going to do well. So hopefully they're learning from the mistake that was the um, the sequel movies that we saw recently. There's so many uh, books and stories that people want to hear. This you know that's already been established. It sounds like he's going to do like a brand new story that's never been new, told. Brand new characters, yeah, mm. yeah. It's 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 an interesting take on it. I think the only way they can make that work is with see the thing is Star Wars really sells itself, so you don't need those blockbuster A-list names, but for the for his movie, you're gonna have to bring in those big, big names to 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 get interest. I think I, I don't know. I'm curious to see where he's going with it. But with the the few minutes we have before a special guest calls in, who is Oscar Jimenez, uh, director of photography of this great film called Integrity of Joseph Chambers, which was official selection of the of uh, the Tribeca Film Festival. Obi Wan Kenobi dropped its sixth episode today, so that completes its run. But will there be a season two? Apparently, it's already been developed as a limited series. Um, and apparently, it had a beginning and an end. Um, but there have been other shows that it started out as a limited series and became, became a series and got a second season. Big Little Lies is, is an example. The White Lotus is another one. Um, but the most important thing is Elon McGregor. You know, he's Obi-Wan. He's a producer. He said, I really hope we do another. If I could do one of these every now and again, I'd just be happy about it. So there you go. Mm. I think uh, 
we're gonna see uh, an Obi Wan uh, season two, guys. I, I just I, I feel feel like there's so much story to tell. So I guess yeah, I think Hayden's um, Chris is in, into it too. He's Hayden on board. Is in it, into it as well. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Hayden, um, since we didn't talk about it last week on episode five of Obi Wan, we saw the uh, technology they used for Luke Skywalker to bring him back and brought young. Hayden Christensen. So Hayden's now in his 40s. He's no longer in his 20s. So uh, probably couldn't pull off uh, the 20-something Hayden when um, Obi-Wan was training him. Uh, of course, uh, Anakin Skywalker uh, <laughs> comes the eventual Darth Vader. But I loved how they did the flashbacks of them training together because, you know, you kind of wanted to see a little bit more of that relationship um, and flashing back to that. Um, and it took me a while to figure out that it, it that was um... – made now like, i thought it was a scene from the original trilogy i haven't seen the real, yes. original trilogy in uh, you know probably like five years so I'm right like, like what's that scene you know i'm like no wait like I, and I, I could kind of tell that it was like de-aging yes so yes. that made it you know even cooler but it was, it was certainly great great um fan service oh so, you know of course uh i mean even mcgregor really hasn't aged that much you know he actually looks really, really no really he really good. hasn't so um, maybe that wasn't as big a deal. It seems like Anakin, it seems like Caden had aged a little bit, but nothing too crazy, you know. And I also heard that they, for Darth Vader's voice, James Earl Jones did not go into the studio for that. As you know, he's 90, 90 years old. They, they used old, that, um, old voice. They used, they used that same voice technology for um, for young Luke Skywalker in uh, Book of Boba Fett and the same technology um, for um, Iceman in Top Gun Maverick. They use that same technology because uh-huh. apparently the voice of Iceman is a little better than the voice of, of Val Kilmer's, you know, how, how his actual voice is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but... Um, <clears throat> and, of course, we found out in Episode 5 that the Grand uh, Inquisitor is not dead, um, and neither is Reva, um, bes- you know, besides both of them, you know, taking lightsabers to the chest you know it's hard to kill off a sith lord apparently oh we so. got our guest uh but we're gonna hey, we're gonna put going, we're gonna put obi-wan uh discussion on on hold <laughs> as we bring on um our special guest of the evening guys he's a cinematographer director of photography extraordinaire i just got to check out this amazing amazing film the integrity of joseph chambers we have oscar ignacio jimenez Yes, thank you. Thank you. I yes. felt like I was interrupting a very important conversation over there. So That's okay. <laughs> no, we will circle back to Obi-Wan. Are you an Obi-Wan or Star Wars fan, Oscar? You know what? So I just got off a project that, that was almost two months for me. I haven't caught up on any on anything. So the, on the new Star Wars or the new series. You're behind Star the Stranger Things, you're behind the boys, all that stuff. Right. No, yeah. <laughs> and I was I was following the boys as a religion for a while just because it was so interesting and so and and uh, I was in Japan and they all I saw was the adver- uh, advertisements, and and I didn't even know that oh, the wow. new season came out. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's uh I'm excited to just kind of get oh, back yeah. into a routine and and just start catching up. Well, I've, you've been dangerous. busy. You've been busy, Oscar. <laughs> I mean, Tribeca Film Festival is a huge, huge deal. I mean, I think it's right up there with Sundance as far as you know getting your film uh, selected. First of all, so congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. And of course, that's the integrity of Joseph Chambers. Um, and I got a chance to see it. 
fantastic film, man. Oh, thank when, you. When, um, first of all, tell us about uh, the team, both cast and crew, and getting getting everyone together for this project. Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, as far as like the the key roles like go with Robert and Clay, and that was like kind of like the biggest uh, uh, connection tissue from uh, the Killing of Two Lovers. And so when when Robert had another film, um, uh, almost like a year later or so, it was very exciting to just kind of see how we can all work together. Uh, the the originally we wanted to shoot in Utah, but then we ended up had to, we had to go to Alabama just because of the it was a little bit more secluded. COVID COVID was a little bit easier to. to uh, uh, it always yeah, is in the know. south, isn't it? It's it's a little you know it's a little easier <laughs> to work around it. <laughs> I bet if was was uh, it Alabama last year? They were still still would have had. Oh, it. of course, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's it's almost like nothing happened out there. So, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, but but this, at the same time, we were we were in the woods, so we were pretty, uh, and we all quarantined together, and uh, so it was just like crew and then into the woods. So it's, it's just a bigger a bigger home and on private land. Um, but yeah, I was able to bring some of my 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 collaborators. Uh, 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 my gaffer, my key grip, and then my first AC friends as well that I've worked here in Utah. And so that was that was kind of cool and fun, um, just to have a family uh, that we can all support each other in Alabama. Um, yeah, and you have some of the incredible crew. You have Robert Machoyan, uh, if you can uh, found uh, Yeah, Machoyan. Machoyan, yeah, he's the writer Machoyan, and director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic job. And then you have an incredible cast. I mean, Clayne Crawford. You have Jordana Brewster from the Fast and Furious uh, films. And then you have, from one of my favorite shows, The Walking Dead, (laughs) Jeffrey Dean Morgan as uh, one of the police officers and one of the friends of of Joe um, Mm -hmm. in a uh, smaller supporting role uh, towards the end of the film. But uh, um, if you can speak on behalf of, I guess, the producers, uh, what was it like getting someone like a Jordana Brewster and a Jeffrey Dean Morgan involved in this film? Um, so from what I understand, Clayton is just really good friends with them. And he has just kind of like this, you know, this long list of friends. And so these were favors that he asked and nice. they were more Isn't than, they, they saw that was, that was nice because they also saw the killing of two lovers. And so they saw the potential in it. And, and it, it from, I mean, I wasn't in part of those conversations, but from what it sounded like, it was, it was a pretty, pretty easy. Yes. Um, uh, they were they were also working they were also working on other projects so they gave us like a couple of days which is really nice but uh, but enough to get the stuff that we needed and um, uh, but they're they're very very nice uh, very nice people and it's it's just very surreal to see them you see them like in these shows like you said Walking Dead or Fast and the Furious and and you see them on set and you're like no they're just they're just normal people who just uh, and I guess they're elevated more because of what how media is uh, presented uh, they're presented in media towards us. So very very humble on set. Did you get starstruck mm-hmm. at all? Um, I did at first, but I feel like once I start getting into this anxiety, it's like okay, we got to get the shot. Like all that just melts away, and I'm just like okay, like, I gotta I gotta I gotta focus. What what's what's the lighting? What's the framing? And so, uh, but yeah, I was able to chat with them like just a couple for a couple minutes, and uh, you know, but but it's it's cool to say when I when I tell people it's like oh yeah, I met Jordana Brewster or I met Jeffrey Dean Morgan. They're like that's that's freaking cool. So that's so cool. Yeah. So you're you're the cinematographer, you're the DP. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about shooting in the the Alabama forest. Uh, mostly, it seems like the majority, other than the home scenes and the sheriff, you know, department scene, majority of the film was in this forest. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and so um, and shooting in the forest is actually a lot trickier than I thought, just because we had to find the right particular uh, like parts of a forest and. 
And even even though like uh, everything was meant to feel a little seamless, we we would we would do like small company moves, uh, and but traveling traveling on these dirt roads. So so that was that's where it got a little difficult. Um, but uh, and I know I know one of the biggest uh, challenges that we uh, were going to face with is that Robert Robert and I really talked about using these really long valley shots, uh, talking about at least a hundred feet. Um, uh, maybe 150 feet, and uh, when we when we pitched that to our key grip, he, I could see the fear in his eyes. It's like, dude, I don't know what this terrain is. I don't, yeah, like I, I don't know. If we have enough people to help out, like to help out and, and do it. And so, and um, and so that was one of my biggest things in the beginning. I was like, okay, if if we do these dolly tracks, I, I really need to bring my key grip out so he under so he knows the terrain. And um, I guess he built this worst case scenario in his head. And once he saw it, he's like, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought. This is, this is doable, but it, we still need time. And um, initially, he, like they gave us an estimate, was like I probably need like 45 minutes to to uh, do um, you know several uh, about 100 feet of track. And then, but towards the end, like the crew was so uh, uh, streamlined that it, in 15 minutes they were waiting for us. They were waiting for us to bring the camera to the next section. And so it was just a bunch of leapfrogging. And so the even though we're small, I feel like we were moving really really fast. And um, but the weather was another thing too. We were shooting in December, and I didn't. Re- and I lived in the East Coast, and I didn't realize how the humidity just plays a huge factor. Like it's you can't escape. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. can't escape a, a, a dry cold. I mean, you can't es- escape a humid cold. Uh, and so I, I did not have the right gear. Uh, <laughs> wow. And, and so, the, so it's it, it was a, it was a big lesson for all of us. I like after day two, we all went to uh, uh, just a sporting goods store that just got all. We, we kind of cleaned them out with all their. Um, flannels and and hats and, <laughs> and stuff like that just just because we we came really unprepared we we just thought it was going to be the south and it was going to be like maybe a little warmer degrees. but it wasn't yeah, yeah exactly no it was it was the worst but yeah yeah no it looked good it looked really smooth a lot of the shots that especially when you're you're following the character of joe mm-hmm. as he's running and and um so that's attributed to your dolly shot yeah, so the dolly shot was kind of just kind of like a this this uh, we wanted to kind of show this in a in a very figurative way of like this conscious, um, especially after you know after what Joe does is is this guilt that follows him and it follows him throughout the film and so in the beginning it's kind of like it just it's it, it's meant to feel like a passive viewer. Uh, Joe is is excited to go hunting for the first time on his own, but then boredom sets in like the reality of what hunting really takes place. Kind of sets in, and so you feel passive. Then you know something occurs, and then all of a sudden, like now, it's like this presence that just keeps following and following and following. Him. It's like, it's like, is he going to do the right thing? Is he going to do, you know, or is he going to just kind of like just uh, let things uh, let it be and not tell a soul? Uh, and so, and so that was like kind of the plan for the beginning. Is just we want the we want the audience to feel uh, passive, but then really engaged. I was engaged seeing Jordana Brewster's. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was my favorite shot of the movie. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? You know that. So that was written in the script, and when I read that, I was like, "Do you really think she's gonna do that?" And Robert's like, "If it doesn't happen, it's fine. Like, it's not a problem." Right. And then, and then I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the communication was behind the scenes. But then uh, I'm rolling, and then all of a sudden she pulls her pants down. I was like, "Hold on, hold on, what, what's going on?" I was like, well, "I need, I need to take two. I was like, "I can't see this." I need to see this with my eyes, not through the viewfinder anymore. I need to experience this in real life. <laughs> so, yeah, she was she was a trooper, and she wanted to do it. She 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 read the script. She's like, I feel like I need to do it because that's this is the personality of 
anything yeah. to seduce seduce him to come back and and uh, so anyway, so it was it was uh, you keep messing up on purpose, so you got to keep redoing it over and over again. <laughs> I just so. turn off the camera. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, now I know why Joe really wanted to come back, for, uh, you know, to feed his oh, family because right. he was he was looking forward to kept coming back to to <laughs> the test character played by Jordana. Oh uh, yeah. But right. but going back to the forest though, yeah, you you really captured captured it very very beautifully. Oh, uh, thank you, Oscar. I, I gotta admit it because. You, you you felt that struggle with him, and, and you need the right cinematography, cinematography to 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 uh, kind of walk yourself through the story with the Joe and and the title Integrity of Joseph Chambers. Um, basically, I'm guessing has to do with the, the big decision he has to make towards the end, right? Where right. does his integrity lie? And I guess I'm going to go up to a certain point. So basically, yes, uh, Joseph uh, does encounter someone in the woods, but um, unfortunately, not the way he wanted to encounter someone. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's trying to shoot deer, accidentally shoots somebody, uh, a character. Um, his name is the Lone Wolf, mm-hmm. and um, has to deal with the aftermath of that. I guess that's really as far as I want to go without uh, spoiling yep. the film. But that's basically what I guess uh, Oscar is dealing with uh, when when the title is in the integrity of Joseph Chambers. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And so, and so, I mean, just like the title implies, and kind of going back to the dolly is just kind of like, and I mean, it, we could have easily have done it the same way that we shot the um, the killing of two lovers, where we just put the camera static and just compose mm-hmm. it for a good shot. But yeah. I mean, and it, it would have been easier. But I don't think you would have gotten the same feeling of like this presence just keeps following and following and following. And I, I during the climax of the of you know when he meets Lone Wolf. We we purposely really go aggressive on the dolly. Like we we wanted to go really fast and then and come to a hard stop and then transitions into kind of like this smooth. Because um, even though something violent is really happening, there is a tenderness in that scene as well. And so like it's and it's almost manipulating with with what the emotions of what Joe is kind of going with is he he you know he I don't, how do I say this without spoiling either. So it's. Uh, he sees what what he did he, he's doing and then all of a sudden he's just like he's like he's coming back to reality and so um and so juxtaposing those two movements and shots um because uh, we do end in stillness um but it's more kind of to you know just to um it's more it's more of a uh, the way that i see it as a, as a reflection of of just keeping the audience just looking and, and hearing the conversation um and yeah uh, Sorry, I'm just. Yeah, I'm trying vague, to tiptoe so. <laughs> too. You don't you never want to spoil because a lot of my colleagues say that I spoil stuff. But yeah, it's been out for a while. But the thing is, I don't want to particularly talk about this film in, in, in depth as far as the plot because it's not. Tell us about the future of where we. Obviously, it was a part of Tribeca Film Festival. Um, where where's the audience going to be able to see this amazing film? We're hoping for uh, theatrical distribution as well. Um, nice. It might be a limited release. I, I, I believe Visit Films has acquired the film. So um, uh, it's, it's one of those conversations where I, I, now that I'm back home, I just need to kind of recalibrate and see what, what, the, what the future is. And I know it'll still have a, a, a good festival run for at least another year. And then hopefully we can kind of get it into some awards. Like last year with the Killing Celebrities, we were able to uh, get a nomination for the Indie Spirit Awards, and for us that was huge. We nice. we made that we made that film with no expectations. It was just more kind of like, okay, this will be cool. 
to uh, see what we can do with very limited resources and uh, and um, and and just kind of knowing what our caliber was, or and and we just took that and just like okay, let's see if we can not necessarily replicate it, but just see if we can still feel the same proud like the same pride in in the film. And so far, based on the reviews and and the reactions of other people that I've that that I don't even know, like it's it's kind of similar feelings of the killing of lover. So there's, there's a lot of like uh, emotional reaction, like at least for me, like I, I just feel, I get emotional when people like who connect with it and are hitting the same beats that we aim to, to do. I mean, you, you must've, your team must've been so excited to be selected uh, for mm-hmm. Tribeca because that's, I'd say right, right up there with Sundance, right? Really yeah. right next to Sundance, would you say? As I would say so, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, I haven't been. I haven't been doing filmmaking all my life, but it's one of those films that before I even did filmmaking that I always heard of Tribeca, Sundance, uh, Tiff, and 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 so it, it yeah, it's yeah, cool it's to be in the same 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 caliber. Um, yeah. I love that man. Yeah. Um, and of course, that was a part of the U.S. narrative competition. At uh, were you were you in attendance for the premiere? No, I was in Japan shooting this other movie that I'm cur- uh, currently finishing, and so I was. Oh, wow. it, They overlapped a little bit, so I was kind of uh, bummed. But um, but I had I had uh, some of my friends just keep me posted on what's going on, and just saw their and and just reading up on their reviews, and um, so. Yeah. Can we talk That'd about be cool shooting in Japan? Yeah, talk about cool. the Japan project, please, if you can. Yeah. No, yeah, this Japan project is is a little bit different than what anything I've ever done. It's more it's more kind of like in the sentimental co- like not a comedy, but it's it, it it has a little bit more comedy than, than I've done before. It's about this Japanese man who comes goes to Montana to um, um, to kind of re- rehabilitate this this business, this failing venture, and he kind of just forces his own ideals upon it, and then soon realizes that everything that he's he's been doing, like even in Japan, uh, has yes they 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 do work, but they're only band aids. There's nothing there's nothing really. He has no he has no emotional connection to to people nor does he have uh, uh uh or to his you know people who are closest to him and so he he starts kind of finding himself essentially and so um and so we we shot in montana uh for about uh five weeks and then we and then we finished shooting in japan for two weeks and we got lucky that the um the covid restrictions were lifted because um that any any filmmakers that i met out there they're like you guys are so lucky like this is one of the first few crews and we, we were able to get like first pick on some of the some of the best crew out in japan so it was oh, that's great it, it was really really great, great experience i would um after a while it's like i can see myself living here like this is this is japan i would love tokyo. to visit yeah I would, oh, that's on my man. bucket list i would love to see tokyo that's oh, so cool yeah, yeah i've only been yeah. to the airport going to the philippines but <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it counts <laughs> it's gotta be cool right, as a count. cinematographer you're doing all these just totally different locations where you're like down south, um, you're in Montana, you're in Japan. It's like it's got to be uh-huh. so cool, just getting all these different shots like all over the world. No, yeah, and and it's funny because it's uh it's you like I go in with kind of these this presumption of what it's supposed to look like, what's supposed to feel, and then you're there, you're like, oh, that 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 never crossed my mind, and so and so essentially I'm just building this archive of images in my head to you know for future projects and kind of like different styles because. Even talking to the crew there, um, they worked they worked on bigger shows like the the ACs that I worked on worked on Tokyo Vice and I was just asking um, Diego Garcia is one of my heroes uh, and um, and uh, and I just kept asking them, like so how is he as a person like 
what's his style and they were like yeah he's quiet he's, he does this he does that and i'm just like but there's more right he's like no that's it i was like oh my gosh tell me more I was like I, I need to i just want to <laughs> absorb i want to absorb uh everything that he does but uh but yeah no it's 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 uh i'm just excited this is one of the i think the fun parts being a cinematographer and traveling is that i get to experience different cultures and people and uh yes. and you know just uh it's kind of it's a cool it's a cool job it's hard Very but it's cool, cool. Yeah, but who are your influences? Oh. Um, you know, any any um, cinematographers, like any movies or TV shows that really got you into the career or influence you now? Yeah, so I, I would say, so uh, like I said, I, I went to school uh, uh, going into business and then I uh, I took a film, like just a film elective class and it was German and Scandinavian. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And so a lot of the films that we started watching were Ingmar Bergman. And, uh, okay. and then, um, that's when I, that's when I realized that a director is not a cinematographer. Those are two separate roles. I mean, there's, yeah. and, and so, and I'm sure. Some I'm try to do both, in. but it's challenging. Right. right. Some of them try to do it right. Right. Exactly. And, so, and, and, uh, that's when I discovered Sven Nyquist, uh, and, uh, his, uh, he shot persona, he shot the sacrifice for Tarkovsky and just kind of seeing the style. I, um, I'm just like, man, this is, I just love how natural it is like, or it feels naturalistic. Uh, it feels like very uh, under under uh, understated, but he's um, but there's this care and quality to it that he the, like this preciousness. That, and I'm sure it's, it's collaboration with those directors as well. But but the image for me is what stuck out to me. And and um, and then from there, I just kind of you know just kind of diving into more films, into more films, into art house, into foreign films, and discovered a new a new world that because I, I grew up on the commercial, you know Spielberg, uh, George Lucas. Kind yeah. of world, and so and so that's all I knew, and um and so seeing so seeing filmmaking as an art and 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 as a voice for culture, and being you know being first generation Mexican, I'm just like I discovered another another uh, wave of cinema from Mexico, and it's like wow, this is I I can say I can say something, and it does it doesn't it's not just about money, it's not about commercial, it's I can I can touch other people, and so. Um, and so that's what really intrigues me about about filmmaking. Um, I mean, it's nice to make money for sure, but if I can leave an impression for for people who are in my situation or who, who follow like my similar, uh, you know, lifestyle, it's 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 it just uh, you know it kind of just uh, erases this barrier of of, uh, of the unknown and um, hopefully brings people closer together. And I was gonna say, like, I, like I watch like um, one of my favorite shows is like Better Call Saul. I think oh, the uh-huh. um, cinematography on there is amazing, and like I'll, I'll see these shots they do on like, every episode. I'm like, that could really just be printed out and put on a wall. It's such a beautiful <laughs> shot. And I'm like, I think it's one of the most underrated uh, positions in any kind of um, you know movie making that people like that people love it, but I don't think a lot of people understand what goes into it. And then yeah, yeah. Like, like you said, a lot of people think it's just the director doing it. It's not like a whole art form. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. And and when people show me shots for references, um, I'm just like, okay, I like the reference, but I also need to know what came before, yeah. what came after, because there's always right. context. And um, um, I, I mean, I've worked on a lot of shorts where we try to replicate a shot, but it doesn't work for us. We we, we nail it. We nail the framing, the lighting, but it's like, oh, it's not working. It's because there's mm-hmm. no context around it. We haven't really set okay. the, the, the yeah. up. And so, but I do remember wa- uh, watching um, uh, Breaking Bad and and just yeah. binging it. I was late to it, and I just skipped school for for a whole entire week, just, <laughs> just catching up with it. And That's so, a good way to spend cookie from I was, school. <laughs> I was yeah. obsessed. That's was great. Obsessed I'll tell you what my favorite shot of yours was. One of them. Well, other than Jordana, 
was lone <laughs> was was lone wolf and joe seated against a tree and there was the sun that just kind of permeated the screen mm-hmm. um that was beautiful uh thank you were you were you happy to have that sun like in the right spot to oh yes we we waited for that sun that was oh, you did we waited for that sun because yeah. I mean, when I think when I think of when I think of sunsets, and this is kind of similar to one of the first shorts that I did with with Robert, is yeah. when I think of sunset, it's beautiful, but it's also um, it's it's just a fleeting moment. It almost reminds me of death because it's it's you it's only there for a certain period of time. You know it's going to be gone in thirty minutes, and uh, just kind of like life as well is is life is life is precious. You take advantage of it, but then when you start kind of like seeing like the uh, when, I don't know how to get personal, but like it's yeah. Anyway, so so like for me, sunset almost represents like like just a uh, death, and so and so that's why we waited for that and to be in the right position. And yeah, it was scary okay. because beginning of the day was very cloudy, and I was like, I don't think we're gonna get this. I don't think ah. we're gonna get this. And then, but but you know, weather so it was weather intentional changes. to get that sun or in the right spot. Yeah. <clears throat> that right, was a beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, now. It. As DP, do you ever do you and we mentioned director versus uh, cinematographer? Do you want to step in the director's chair at some point in your career? If I would, I think I'd rather do a lot of short films first. Um, okay. Just because I feel I'm I'm not sure if I um, I don't know. It's it, I I do get asked that quite a bit, and um, and I feel like I kind of gravitate more to like Bresson, where he's more of a visual poet, where he he. Uh, he does write his lines, but it's mostly about, and then, but there are like a lot of close-ups on hands and faces, not necessarily back and forth coverage. And I can see myself doing that kind of stuff. But, um, cool. but yeah, I, I, I do want to experiment. I, I think it'll be fun, but I still need a little bit more time. So that's why it's really fun being a DP because I feel like I get like this personal mentorship, but get paid at the same time. And um, cause I'm just, yeah. I'm just feeding off, feeding off a director and also Absolutely. going through many directors many directors and so and so and the more the more i i work with different directors i see what i like i see what what works for well at least what works for me what works for them and uh we'll see maybe maybe in uh maybe in 10 years we'll have another conversation yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's hope we're all around 10 years instead of doing doing everything that we're doing now (laughs) no no we'll be alive i'm just saying yeah we'll be no no i know what you mean i know what you mean who knows either yeah that's true life is too short all right well uh detective joseph chambers uh hopefully coming soon to a a theater near you i'm I'm sure hopefully also um, um maybe on a favorite streaming platform in the future but in the meantime uh it's just, uh, yeah, it's a great film. Got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I just looked. Oh, cool. From seven oh, reviews. Yeah, wow. seven reviews that are there. One of the reviewers, one of the critics, is one of the best uh, films we've seen this year. No way. That's awesome. All right. But, I got to yeah? go through it. Yeah. You got to yeah, check yeah, out I, Rotten Tomatoes. All right, Oscar. Wow. Thank you so much for talking to us here on Below the Belt Show and click on this show. Uh, click on the show is the one that uh, brought us over to you. Um, and uh, if you could... Um, do a little plug for um, um, Integrative Joseph Chambers. Let us know who you are. Um, let us know your project, Integrative Joseph Chambers, and let us know you're on Below the Belt show. I appreciate it. Oh, do a little plug? Yeah. So, 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 sorry, so, tell me again how to say uh, it. So. Below the Belt show, let us know who you are uh, throughout your cinematographer of uh, Joseph Chambers and what else, whatever else you want to plug. All right, well, thank you to Below the Belt. Oh, oh shit. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, man. That, this is the first time doing this. So, 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 plug below the belt, and then 
um, the name film it. and okay. your name. <laughs> All right. Well, thank. I want to thank the Below the Bell and Amanda for interviewing for the Integrity of Justice Chambers. Uh, my name is Oscar Jimenez, the DP, and um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sorry, man. That's okay. That's <laughs> I awesome. <just> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. I can do it again if you need me to. <laughs> okay, Phil, let's do it for one more time. Let's know who you are, the project, Below the Belt Show. There you go. My name is Oscar Ignacio Jimenez, and I am the director of photography for the Integrity of Justice Chambers, and this is the Below the Belt Show. Yes. Thank you. Okay. All right, Oscar. Um, buenas noches. Thank you for talking to us here. Buenas noches. Okay. Hasta luego. Thank Ciao. you guys so much. Bye bye. Yeah. All yeah. right, guys. That was Oscar Ignacio Jimenez. Um, it's great to have. Uh, we usually typically have mostly actors, sometimes directors here, but it's good to have a different, uh, different uh, aspect of of filmmaking. New perspective. Yeah, new perspective. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it's definitely a part of filming, like I said, that people don't really realize how important it is. It's so important. Oh, my God. Like it, it can make or break a film, you know. You Absolutely. Shot, like... um, and the next few minutes, let's try to wrap up Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 6. Episode Our 6. Episode 6 was the, yeah, it's only six episodes long, guys. And um, there's a lot to unpack in this final episode. Of course, the episode opens on Tantooine, and um, we see Reva, and she asks for Owen. Uh, where is Owen? So I guess she already knows about um, Owen um, hiding Luke Skywalker. Um, well, not really hiding. Well, yeah, he is hiding him, but you know, obviously, uh, Luke is being raised by Owen and and on Peru, and um, of course, uh, now we see this amazing. Amazing! Oh my God, this crazy lightsaber duel, uh, which utilized a bunch of rocks as well. But uh, <laughs> but first of all, Obi Wan uh, uh, says they have to make a getaway, but he's got to divert Vader's attention so everyone can escape. All the rebels, um, little Le- Leia can escape safely, along with Ice Cube Jr., O'Shea Jackson Jr. Cube. Um, a little cube, so they're they're they actually uh, were able to escape safely, and um, we kind of go back and forth to um, to both um, plot lines uh, with Reva trying to find Owen and, and Baru, um, and then uh, yeah, they guess I guess they get wind of that uh, Reva is gonna. Uh, Going to be approaching, uh, and obviously, yeah, they said they knew that this moment in time would come. So they get their guns out. They're ready to get their blasters out, you know, try to, you know, kill an Inquisitor, uh, I guess, attempting to do so. Then we go back to Obi-Wan confronting Darth Vader, and wow, what an epic lightsaber battle, Chachi. Would you agree that was one of the the better lightsaber duels you've seen? It's definitely good. I it was mean, good, it, right? it sucks. You kind of, you kind of knew the outcome, like that neither was gonna die. Because neither of them would die. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that kind of took away a little bit of it, you know, the um, mm-hmm. suspense, I guess. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a great battle. Suspense, and then of course, um, we did see uh, Vader's helmet getting sliced, um, without, I guess, hurting Darth Vader or Anakin for that matter. And then you see the 
the struggle, the the inner struggle that Obi Wan has on whether to finish off Vader or just let him go. And he let him go, and I guess he knew that he was hurt and there was a chance that he would die. But Obi Wan just walked away. Yeah, and, and, well, you know? and he knew that he'd screw up the whole um, New Hope movie if he would kill Vader. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> but I think they had no, to have they had to have that helmet come off to show Anakin because why would Obi Wan? not take vader down had the mask not come off because he wouldn't be able to see this is the remains of his of his friend you know the, his padawan you know he's trained him. yeah but you know another reason why they um did that with the um the helmet okay because because they had to have and they had to have darth vader have the old helmet like the old more basic looking helmet they had in a new hope compared to the helmet they had in um at the end of part three because, you know, the, the first helmet was kind of, like, janky-looking, like, on A New Hope, and then Darth Vader got better-looking helmets as time went on, but he had kind of had the better-looking helmet on um, Episode 3 at the end. Ah. So this kind of retcons that mistake that they had, where, if you if you notice at the very end, and um, I haven't read this anywhere, but I still could be wrong, but... Really? That's an interesting theory. It looked like the end of the um, movie, when he uh, end of the series, when he had um, Vader had the, the helmet back on again, it was an older-looking, like, you know, look more like a New Hope helmet than the rest of the helmets from the um, ah. Jedi and everything. Because the New Hope, cause they, when they first made the helmet, it was um, you didn't have all the money and stuff they had um, for the other movies, so they had to have like their um, wardrobe and their um, costumes and stuff were right. not as costume nice. Yeah, yeah. Right, was yeah. not and okay. He, okay, now, that that's starting to make sense. So he already he he originally had that badass helmet, but they had to figure out because they. They started the end of episode three with the really nice helmet, right? Right, and, exactly. And then we yeah. go to New Hope, which is supposed to be in the future. Okay. Right. That's an interesting theory, man. And you didn't read so this anywhere. I haven't anywhere, read that anywhere, just... so I think that... Um, wow. Okay. It, but, but I think it's what happened there. Wow, that's interesting. But, um, yeah, so we see uh, Vader. You know, he obviously lives, and he's still, you know, his mission is still to... Hunt down and kill Obi-Wan. And, and so that, that, for me, is alluding to a second series. And then we see Emperor Palpatine. Uh, we see Ian McDermott reprising his role. And then we see three very emotional scenes with uh, Obi-Wan to close out the show. The first stop being uh, um, Leia, safely home, uh, on Alderaan. Um, and, of course, uh, Alderaan is a very, very beautiful planet. Of course, we know what happens to Alderaan in episode four sadly um but good to see jimmy smith says bail organa um reuniting with his daughter um and it's interesting he was talking about his about leia's parents you know all the qualities in the mother and father clearly obi-wan was referring to the birth parents but i think because leia didn't want to hear it or she's like oh you don't have to tell me and then you you, you pan out to who her parents are, who are raising her, is Bail Organa and, and his wife. Um, and right. those are and those are the parents that do matter, are are the ones raising little Leia. So, of course, yeah. Right. So that was great. And then then we get a very emotional scene um, as uh, oh, um, Obi-Wan goes uh, back to Tatooine, uh, visits um, Uncle Owen one more time, says, you know, basically lets him know that he'll, you know, he's going to keep his distance. Um, but then Owen decides to uh, allow Luke to meet Obi-Wan. And that was really heartwarming because Obi-Wan's been 
kind of watching Luke from afar, making sure he's safe. But um, but Luke did admit that, okay, Luke still just needs to be a boy. Um, let's yes. not rush him into the Jedi training. And it was really heartwarming. So we see the little hello there and Obi-Wan meeting Luke for the first time. And then uh, at the end, we see uh, in the form of a force ghost, Qui-Gon Jinn. That's right. Liam yes, finally. Returns. And it's interesting. He was trolling the internet saying that he would not return on a Star Wars series, only maybe a movie. Which, obviously, he said on purpose to kind of like, you know, not spoil that he would be in. Um, you know, he would be in it. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Obi-Wan, episode six, the finale talk. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it was good seeing um, Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. You always wonder why um, these other Force ghosts don't show up ever in the mm-hmm. other Star Wars movies and stuff. And you're like, where the hell are they at? Right. You know, and so I was hoping he would definitely would show up um, during this series. So I'm glad he finally did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, overall, I would rank Obi-Wan not as high as Mandalorian, or, um, but maybe I... Rank them equally uh, with Book of Boba Fett, uh, as far as all the yeah. series. Mandalorian still I, I, being my favorite. Yeah, Mandalorian is definitely on top. I'd say this is probably three. With Book of Boba um, Fett, up two. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think I had more higher, I had higher expectations for the series than what was delivered. I think. Did you? Yeah, I, I expected a lot. I, I, I think there were a lot of great things in the series, but I think there were uh, things that weren't so great. Yeah. I just, um, you know, I I really think that this was originally going to be like a, a movie I heard, and I think it could have probably should have been a movie. A it's been what? written for the the script has been written for a while. Yeah, like I think, and, and I I personally love when um stuff takes time and is is you know played out within a series because it gives it way more time and you see a lot more stuff. But I feel like this one had like a lot of filler that maybe you know it was written for like a two two and a half hour movie, but then they just decided to like. Because uh, of Disney Plus, make it into a series and really had a lot more um, moments I thought that dragged on than what should have. Okay, because usually you're thinking movie. some things should be better as a series to develop the characters, like a Goonies. That's what I think. I, series, I, yeah, but, yeah, but in yeah. this case, you think this series should have been condensed into a two-hour movie. I think so. I think okay. so. And and, and I, I was I was really kind of bored of the um, was it the uh, sister sister character? Is that what it was? She was Third called? sister. You're... Yeah, sister sister sister. Yeah. Um, I think her character was let down. Like I think I talked before about about the new trilogy of Star Wars, where you didn't have like as many badass characters as the original um, trilogy. You know, and I think I think her. I think they could have made her character a lot more badass. You know, she'll kind of just like someone named Brenda working in your office. You know what I mean? Like they didn't really like. They didn't really like do. They should have gave her like a cool costume, like maybe like some face paint or a helmet or, or something. Like the other, the other Inquisitor or whatever, I thought mm-hmm. was poor with the face paint. You know, it could have been more badass. Or okay, or if they would have brought in like Darth Maul or you somebody. You didn't feel the fear in in those characters as you did like maybe Darth Vader. Yeah, I, I really. They didn't evoke no. that kind of fear. Is that what yeah, you because she looked she looked like a, like a normal person to me. Like you know, besides wearing like the black costume, like right. the black um outfit, she didn't really no, look I like th- that. I thought she's a very decent actress because um I thought the, she was decent. Yeah, yeah, I don't think she was horrible. I don't think some, she was great, but I don't think she was horrible. There's some criticism that people thought she was bad, but you know, I thought she was fair. 
Um, I, but, I, she, I thought she's okay. I and mean, Star Wars is not really known for great actors, anyways. You know, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like I saw her face turn coming from a mile away because I'm like, just thinking about Disney. I'm like, well, there's no way they're gonna have like a black woman be a villain, you know, in, in a Star Wars movie. And and then she had her face turn. But then I don't, I don't understand. She had a face turn against Darth Vader. But then all of a sudden she, she was still turn. exactly. Mm-hmm. But then what happened in Episode Six? Then she turned heel again and was trying to. Um, kill leia but then she turned face again like why why well, was she luke luke specifically well luke then yeah luke yeah. why is she trying to kill luke still i think she's still trying to redeem herself to the empire why um, after after vader had stabbed after, her in the stomach after after vader already stabbed her right that well, made no sense that she would do a still, face turn and then turn to heel and then turn face again yeah so it's like okay we get it she's, she's a good guy we get it like i don't know and yeah how no, she survived right. that um lightsaber um Stab to the stomach. You know, the, the Inquisitor survived as well, but the Inquisitor apparently has two hearts. Okay. Uh, the alien, the, the the Inquisitor alien. So I don't know. Um, how does how she survive works. then? So, um, I don't know. I don't know. She's human, yeah. right? So I don't know how she survived. Yeah, and they, yeah. and yeah, you know, and she wasn't like as strong as like a, a Sith Lord or anything. And yeah, and then I'm wondering. Yeah, you know, and so I thought it was cool that she was a a, a youngling or whatever. But then didn't they all die in the original trilogy? I mean, I mean uh, the prequel. Well, I mean there there are clearly some some that had escaped. But uh, I know we didn't want to have uh, Darth Paul Walsh join until we were done. Hey. Uh, we're just finishing uh, Obi Wan. That's, that's his okay. own fault. Season six, <laughs> season six, episode six talk. But uh, <laughs> maybe we should take this time to take a classic cut break. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, and then we'll uh, be back um, to talk Stranger Things, Vince McMahon, a couple little things uh, here uh, going on. So, uh, Chachi, what do you have for us tonight? Well, first of all, I want to hear some. First of all, you want to hear some themes. Of course. All right. So here we go. It's been a minute. There we go. <laughs> As Al Soto says. <laughs> Where are my dogs at? It is time for King Chachi's Classic Cuts. Holla at your boy. Chachi. Chachi. That's right. Chachi in charge once again. I'm kind of laughing because of um, your little soundboard there. It says um, Classic Cuts 2010. So that's definitely a retro um, theme now. Which that that theme is now like at the age where for the all the songs I play. <laughs> like, like my my theme is now a, a classic cut. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, well, anyway. I'm sure you're still uh you know you're sure you pick something still within the realm, yes? I, of course I did, of course I did. Um but just the other day, um, I actually went to see a, a concert here in Baltimore. It was Tears for Fears. Columbia. I never. Yep, Columbia, Maryland. So <laughs> I never seen um, them in concert before. And I was really surprised, like how good they were, you know, in person. Because a lot of times you see these bands that were really big in the '80s, and you mm-hmm. see them now, yeah, and they sound horrible, like their voice is gone. Like, but no, I mean. It, I thought both their voices were were still amazing. They played a lot of their new stuff too, which I thought the new song sounded actually really good. And I'm probably gonna listen to their new album and and check out a lot of their songs. They released a new album. It's the first one in I think it was 18 years they released. 
Wow, 18 um, years. Yeah, and the new album, yeah, it's the 2000, 2004 was their last album. This one, The Tipping Point, 2022, was just released this, this year. But of course, you know, I was there for all their classic songs, you know, and a lot of people know um, the classic song from the 80s, Shout, and Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Yes. And but We played lot, that one, the latter, uh, a couple of years ago, I checked. Probably I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this is good. We haven't we haven't played this one before. Yeah, and then they have a lot of other songs that I'd love to play because they have a, a great catalog that a lot of people are familiar with. Like a lot of their songs that didn't make it as high, you know, in the '80s and early '90s, but were still pretty great. And this is one that I definitely like. It's called "Sowing the Seeds of Love," which came out August 21st, 1989. Oh, your image you sent me was head over heels. Did I send you head over heels? Yeah. Well, I lied to you. Okay, well, head over heels then. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was wrong. I was wrong. We'll find it. Head over heels actually came out, which is another great song. I, what it was is I know that I was, I was in between two songs and I couldn't remember right. what I sent to you. Send me the wrong. Oh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll stick with what we got, right? But head over heels is even older, which is even better. Mm-hmm. And this came out and. um in 1985 which was a great year nice so this is um from their um album songs from the big chair this is head over heels great song chachi and we'll be back with right a great song the classic cut All right, Tears for Fears, Head Over Heels. Head Over Heels, actually from the Donnie Darko movie. Oh, that's another good tie-in right there. Oh, yeah. How many women have we been Head Over Heels for over the years? My God. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, so joining us for uh, the second part of the show, we have a I don't get a Head Over Heels. Isn't your head always over your heels? Or is that like... <laughs> Does it mean you're doing like a cartwheel, like a tumbling or something? Is that I that guess. Means? I guess so, right? <laughs> it should be like heels overhead, right? Heels overhead, exactly. <laughs> yeah, some girls like to get their heels over their heads. Mm, yeah, that would be a whole different yeah. type of show there. Yeah, that I would know. be. That would be. Let's go ahead and welcome to Below the Belt show. He's a Sith Lord. Oh, over- allegedly. He has not finished watching Obi Wan Kenobi yet. So <laughs> yeah, allegedly um, Sith Lord. We wanted to have him on after we talked Star Wars and talked a little bit about Vince McMahon, but that's a little bit later in the program because he's he's kind of all over the news right now, but. Let's finish up over here. So number nine on my list is Disney Plus um, series, uh, in particular the Marvel series, as we already talked about Obi-Wan. But. So Miss Marvel, apparently, um, even though it, it got high ratings, it's still the lowest watched, least viewed Marvel series. I didn't see it. Uh, on Disney Plus by, uh, by some time, and I haven't seen it yet either. Not, not that I won't. I probably will eventually see it. I just heard um, it was too woke. That's that's one reason. <laughs> that's why you're here, Paul. You're not afraid to throw it out, right? <laughs> I mean, so the thing is, you could say woke, Paul, but 
the comic book actually featured a Muslim teenager, so they didn't change anything for the sake of being woke. It, it's okay. you're staying true to what whatever the comic book um you know character is. So there's nothing changed for the sake of wokeness for this. Um, but yes, it's Kamala Khan, and she's had she has a big role in the Marvels movie, which is the upcoming uh, Captain Marvel sequel. Um, which probably do bad too. Yeah, probably yep. so. <laughs> but. But apparently, um, I mean, it was at least watched, but, you know, you're also dealing with a character that not many people are familiar with, whereas a lot of the other series, you're dealing with characters coming straight for the MCU. So I think so you're saying, why would they choose her to, to have a yeah, series? Yeah. Then? They're, they're, they're choosing someone that, to lead their own series. Right. Uh, that, why, why would that be? Why would that be? Because I think they have bigger plans for her in the movies, in the Miss Marvels, you know, Um um so so the 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 Miss Marvel show only has only been watched by 775,000 compared, <laughs> compared well compared to Moon Knight which is 1.8 million you know um it did horrible too and I, uh, I mean I watched the first couple of episodes I just wasn't impressed with Moon Knight to be honest with you okay I've heard bad things I never watched you've had bad, bad things now I enjoyed it you know I finished it um I I think it's one of those series that uh, could stand alone. Doesn't really have any big ties into the MCU, but uh, I think they want to bring the character back for something. So, um, you know, Oscar Isaac's great. I mean, he's Poe Dameron, man. You know, he's a he's a great actor. So, I don't know. I think he did well in his role, and uh, maybe worth continuing. But uh, these other upcoming uh, Marvel Disney Plus shows, I'm curious to see how they will do. One is Ironheart. And as you know, that's um, now, of course, with Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Oh, God. That is Endgame. This is all about um, the young um, character, Riri, who is uh, apparently um, this MIT genius who. Of course she is. Takes Tony Stark's technology and becomes um, Iron Heart, you know? What's funny is how they, they keep making it a point to say how she's smarter than Iron Man. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like how are you smarter than Iron Man when you're using all the same shit that he invented? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, it's, she modifies it for, for her. <laughs> she modifies it, but who cares? He still didn't invent it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I don't care. Like you, first of all, someone named Riri is not going to be smarter than no. than Tony Stark. <laughs> just by the nickname alone. Right? You're right. Right. Isn't that... right. I'm curious to see how it will do, guys. Another <laughs> like, like, isn't, that, isn't that derogatory slang anyways, calling somebody Riri? Oh, why, yeah. would, why would it be derogatory? I, I, I remember it's not derogatory, even if it isn't. You think it's I remember that it used to be a derogatory term for uh, um, mentally challenged person back in the day. Really? I had never heard yeah. of that. Never heard of that? No, I have not. Just, it was just in my um, area where I grew up. Maybe. I'm not familiar yeah. with that. Okay, I'll have to look that one up. Also, okay, another. That's going to do bad, too. That's going to do bad. It's, <laughs> <laughs> they're taking all these well people are really sort of familiar with these characters when they start off the marvel universe i mean everybody knew spider-man like iron man like you know people might not have been super familiar but at least they knew him you know what yeah. i mean and now you're getting all these obscure characters that were yeah. were i mean they're part of the comics but yeah they're part of the comics in the, la- the last like 10 years you know it's not like they go back that far it's marvel like, yeah. are they gonna have a female thor now replacing uh hemsworth no hemsworth is still gonna stick with the mcu he's not going anywhere 
But that that's from an actual um, an actual. Uh, I know it was a comic, but I was just wondering if they're just going to push him away and just just go with I her don't, now. I haven't heard of Chris Hemsworth stepping down. He's having too much fun. I don't think he's leaving. Um, but yeah, he does the, those, those checks too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this series, I'm curious, is another obscure character named Wonder Man. Okay, so this is a uh, another um, series in development. Um, and Andrew Guest will be the head writer and producer. Now, basically, his real name is Simon Williams. He's a son of a wealthy industrialist whose company falls on hard times due to competition from Tony Stark, Stark Industries. Okay, so it was a family that compete against Stark Industries. As a result, he accepts an offer from Baron Zemo that gives him ionic superpowers, including super strength and durability. Okay. So it's just kind of given these powers by, by Baron Zemo. Um, I don't know. Um, What's I, his name? Wonder Man? Wonder Man. Wonder Man, yeah. Wonder Woman. Like, uh... Wonder Man, yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> no, there's, there's, already, people there. there's already a Wonder Woman, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, All right, so it's actually a, a white man, which I can't imagine it happening. <laughs> He's got to be gay or something, <laughs> right? Guys. You got it too much. Both of you. I think it's too much. <laughs> well, I'm talking about I'm talking about Marvel. I'm talking about Disney. Here. I know. Yeah, Disney's going to definitely change it. Uh, is he gay in the comics? He might be gay in the comics. I don't, I don't know if he's gay. Or big, big, that's what it is. He's gay, right? I mean, I it's kind know. of weird because like everybody knows Wonder Woman, so you're going to have somebody come out called Wonder Man. Wonder Man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Marvel. It's not DC. That's what makes it even right. Yeah. It's right. It's very oh, strange. It's so crazy. All right, Wait, they cast number- the Flash actor because he's a them. He's not even a man. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's a them. <laughs> yeah, he he is. Talk about <laughs> talk about a loose cannon, man. This guy is a complete train wreck. He's getting into bar fights. He's choking women. He's um, assaulting people oh. at karaoke. Wait, he's bars. not a guy. He's a them. Remember, you have to okay. Call they, them. they. Sorry, they. And they, and they apparently have groomed a kid. Um, he's a, allegedly, uh, they are allegedly accused of grooming a kid too. So there's, there's, he's, I mean, I guess it's, if, if he's a they, does he mean, does he get like twice the um, repercussions? I have no idea. Twice the sentence. <laughs> you guys, you guys. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Like, like. All right. Anyways, but what the hell? What the hell is they they problem? <laughs> because you're on a great you're on a great series, you know, like a great franchise, and it's, it's your movie coming out, and then and, seriously, and then they's gonna a, fuck her. He's gonna fuck around. Gonna fuck him, they, he's a fuck lead around. actor. They, he's given a right. gift. They should not leading a DC movie. How is they gonna fuck around now? When you're you have your big movie coming out, two hundred million dollar big movie to be honest. Yeah. Right. So well, not which, only surely yes. make days now surely make days career for you know for the rest of days lives, right? Yep. I think so. I I mean so all they all all they had to do is not fuck around. And that's it. You know you know not groom kids. You know not get into bar fights. They had one job to do. Is not fuck around. Yeah, they I don't get it. <laughs> they screw. They screw big time. 
And they, they, and they are going to face the repercussions. <laughs> the DCEU has a lot of problems on the head. Not only with Mar- Ezra Mar- Miller, yeah, but with Amber Heard. DCEU don't fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> so they got a lot of, they got a lot of damage control to do right now. Lots. DC don't fuck around. DC gonna fire they ass. Watch. <laughs> you know, after this movie comes out, it's gonna be done. All right, let's move on before I get into right, yeah. trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Number ten. Oh, I'm glad you sent me this, Chachi. Blonde on Netflix. Number ten is Netflix, and this is gonna be an NC-17 movie. I haven't seen an NC-17 movie since Showgirls, so I'm re- I'm really excited That's to see this. You have Anna de Armas as Marilyn Monroe, based on a novel of the same name by Joyce Carol Oates. The film is a reimagining of the professional and personal life of Marilyn Monroe. And I'm guessing we're going to see some crazy nudity and sex scenes with Anna de Armas, which uh, I... I'm guessing that we're going to have JFK in there someplace. JFK singing happy, you know, being sung happy birthday to, you know, um... I think it's gonna be exciting. I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to see this. The she's really transformed into Marilyn, and uh, I initially I didn't see the resemblance seeing uh, Anna Darmus's other work, but yeah, it's amazing what they can do with hair and makeup. You know, they've really captured uh, Marilyn Monroe. Um, well, I mean, but, it, 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 I don't have a problem with it, but I want to point this out that that the actress is Latina. So um, Marilyn Monroe wasn't so, which I'm fine with. But you know, when this comes around again, and, and you're gonna see like some white person playing a Latina or something like that, everybody's gonna be like, "Oh no, you can't have oh, that." You can't you're gonna, that. Are you gonna have like a straight person playing a gay person, or, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, a mentally challenged person played by someone who's not, you know? I don't hear an outcry and pitchforks. Wait a second, you know, right now. already offended because then the guy from um, then uh, what's his name? Wasn't he gay on a? Uh, how I Met Your Mother, Barney. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, he played a, a straight Neil, guy. Neil yeah. Patrick Harris was playing a straight guy. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah, but but there's no there's no yeah you know, no repercussions on that obviously. I'm saying I'm fine with this casting. I think she's beautiful, but I just want everybody to know that when it comes around, everybody you know grabs their pitchforks. Be like, okay, well you weren't grabbing your pitchforks during Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. She's actually European, Spanish, and Cuban, so okay. she's she's 50 percent European. Yes. She's beautiful. She's she's amazing. I'm grabbing a half a pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she looks amazing, and I, I think she looks. God, isn't she amazing? A lot like her. Beautiful. Yeah, Cuban, Cuban, and Spain next. Okay. All right. So Stranger Things talk. I finally finished all seven episodes. Paul, I don't know if you're a Stranger Things fan, but uh, uh, I was. I mean, I, I didn't watch last season or this okay. season. We'll talk a little bit about it, um, but. Um, Wow, that final episode already was feature length, episode seven. And then I saw the oh, run yeah. times for episodes eight and nine, and um, it's about the same for episode eight. And episode nine is like two and a half hours long. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm curious why they wanted to go the the feature film length as opposed to just more episodes to make to cut yeah, it up. Yeah, I'm not sure why. You know, I'm really, really curious, but – um. Wait, did you did did you say it ended in episode nine? Episode nine will be the final. There's two more episodes that will drop in July. Episodes eight and nine. Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly nine per season, right? 
Mm-hmm. It's been eight or nine. I think initially it was eight episodes, and now it's nine episodes a season. It would make more sense. I mean, it just seems like a more round number. Yeah. Why not go for the even ten, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. But we found out answers about Vecna, Chachi. That Vecna, this whole time, <clears throat> is actually Henry Creel. He's the son of Victor Creel. And if you didn't know, Victor Creel played by the iconic Robert Englund uh, of Nightmare oh, yeah. on Elm Street, who it was great to see him, man. What a really oh, crazy was his role. face by chance or no? His face was uh, marred by self-mutilation. His um, eyes cut out? Eyes were cut oh, out. Damn. He tried Which to, I didn't yeah. know that was even him until they showed his name. Um, oh, yeah. I read in you. When the credits began. About. Yep. And well, I heard he was going to be in the, the season, but I didn't know as what. Um, character yeah and um we saw actually um the actor uh, uh kevin uh from ozark playing the younger victor creel so i thought that was uh really cool to see him as well but uh we have answers now um that the the henry creel character played by jamie campbell bauer was a hawkins boy from the 50s who became the first test subject in the same government experiment as one, Eleven, yeah. and he is number one. So as you know, Eleven, yeah. played by Millie Bra- Bobby Brown, is the eleventh subject. So this guy was the original test subject in number one. So um, complete massacre in in the uh, Hawkins laboratory. Which, which is trying to make you think that Eleven did it, right? From all the um, flashbacks, right? From all the flashbacks, right? But we 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 see the truth from the flashbacks after submersing. Um, submersing eleven and uh of course she gets her powers back. Um and then of course the upside down world just completely crazy. It's so wild. But apparently my girl Natalia Dyer, who I love on a personal level and as an actress, she's still stuck in the upside down world. As uh seemingly the other people uh, were able to escape. Um uh but um I think she's gonna be okay. I think so because um in the trailer, which they just dropped the Part two trailer, we're going to see, ooh, it's just going to be crazy. It's going to be insane. Um, and let's not forget Hopper's storyline. I, th- I loved his storyline as well. He um, battled the uh, the Demogorgon. Uh, and uh, Yeah, I thought his was a little slower, the, his storyline. It started off real, a little on the slow. I still enjoyed side. it, but. Yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, Winona Ryder to the rescue, <laughs> along oh, with yeah. Brett Gelman, um, uh, who, who did great in his role. Uh, and uh, yeah, they 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 fly out to Alaska initially, and then from Alaska go to the Russia. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was really cool seeing that all play down. And um, and uh, yeah, Hopper, Hopper, I guess uh, we still have to find out exactly what happens. But uh, you know, the Demogorgon, um, you know, apparently looked like so. Wait, so after that, they were enclosed into the jail cell. Um, Hopper and the other prisoner. What happens to Demogorgon at that point? Do you recall? Because that's not it's not coming back to me. They use fire to kind of lure him away, but they got trapped inside the. Uh, I believe maybe that's where they cut cut off the end of that storyline. Maybe they don't go any further from that. But I'm trying to trying to recall if something happens after that. I don't remember now. I watched it like um, several weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to recall as well, but. Clearly, a I mean, lot is more. Is it me, or did they take too long to get to this season? Because it, it seems like they're too. Oh old God, now. it took forever. It takes like two every every season. Well, it like took three years. years. 
this was three was, years. This is particularly three years, right? So the kids are all grown. It'd be three all, years in July. It would have been three all years. All the kids are like 18, 19 years old now. Yeah. And this is this is only season four. And I think the show started what year? You know, twenty sixteen maybe. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um. And one cool thing, uh, Kate Bush, who is the artist for the song "Running Up That Hill," um, that song that came out decision in decision 19- she ever made. Yeah, to to agree to have that song on her show because yeah. that song came out in 1985 originally, and it's number one in the UK, Australia, and the Billboard Global Chart for the first time, and in the US, number four in the Billboard Hot, Hot 100. Hot 100. Yeah. For the first in her career top 10 appearance in the u.s so this is <laughs> i mean it imagine came out, that. It came out in 85 right this is a song from 1985 that's on the top yeah. of the billboards <laughs> stranger things should be doing this for so many artists i'm sure so many artists are like writing in you know oh, well now yeah yeah you know you know weird al yankovic's writing in you know <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned they mention him you know about the t-shirt the weird al yankovic t-shirt i knew i, I, I have a feeling, song called stranger things to be honest with you but didn't he have a song? Didn't he have? Didn't they play "Eat It" in Stranger Things? I didn't recall "Eat It" being in Stranger Things. I thought they did. Really? But yeah, Kate Bush. Kate Bush was the original choice they had um, running up that hill for for the season. And like the the person in charge of um, gathering their songs, like went to Kate Bush, and they actually had storyboards drawn out for the scenes to try to mm-hmm. present to her. Because apparently she doesn't really release her songs for almost anything, you know? Right. So they convinced her, you know, what, what, how it would be used in, in the in the um, season, and she agreed to it, and best decision she ever made. And it's always Absolutely. been a great song. It's always been a song that, that you know, I've always loved, and not, you know, many people, um, other people knew about it. It was it, a classic cut two weeks ago, by the way. Yep, I saw that. And there's certain people, I mean, there's certain songs from the 80s everybody knows, and uh, get over, gets overplayed to death, you know, everybody go to hear Don't Stop Believing until their ears bleed. <laughs> um, but you know, this is one song that is, is great. And now people are finally discovering it, and it, it's great to have a, actually a, a good song in the top 100 now on Billboard. <laughs> so it's like not, 99 shit songs and one good song. I'll take it. <laughs> of you know? course. But what a great scene that was with um, the character Max and like. Oh yeah. You know, I really that thought was she was song running. that saved her life because you have to if yeah. you hear your favorite song, and Vecna has you in his trance or curse or whatever. She was able to awaken from that that trance. Yeah, it, kind of, it kind of brings you back to re- reality here in your favorite song. Right. And I thought, you know, it seemed like she was going to get killed in that scene, which I thought they might have killed her off. So it was definitely a really tense moment in the um, season. Oh, but God. I thought, yeah. but it great. And I think she did, does great um, as the Max character. And that's the thing with Stranger Things. Like, I mean, she was a new character, I think, in season two. Yeah, it was season two. She was a new character. And they did a great job of of establishing these characters over the seasons and it makes you um, care about them, you know, which a lot of other series don't do a good job at. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And of course, Maya Hawk, Ethan Hawke's daughter. Yeah, Uma another, another great character that was new. Um, She's great. She was new with season, uh, was she in season three? She was new? Yeah, the malls, yeah. the Starcourt yeah, Mall. Yeah. yeah. So, fantastic series. I can't wait for July 1st to see the rest of it. Of course, speaking of Robert Engel, who did make an appearance, um, Chachi, you sent this to me that he will come back um, for Jay for Jason one more. T- oh, sorry, he will come back for as Freddy, Freddy Krueger um, for one more time, um, but only if Blumhouse can can, uh, can secure the rights because it 
Blumhouse is the premier name in horror nowadays. You know, right. well, Blumhouse wants Blum- him to do it. Did he yeah. agree to do it? I know Blumhouse wanted him to do it. Well, it seems that Jason Blum believes he could convince right. Robert England for right. one I don't last think he actually has agreed can, to it yet, but yeah. But I mean, he, Robert England is 75, but he's got to do it. You know, one more. Okay. You can't, I mean, they tried to reboot Freddy. You just can't do it. You can't. You can't have a different Freddy. You can't have a different actor playing Freddy. I mean, have Robert England do one more. I mean, it, it will make so much money. You can and have the stunt did, double I mean, do the majority of his. Have uh, stunt double, right? I mean, he's wearing wearing like you know eight feet of makeup. So who cares? Right. <laughs> I mean, this point is do it. I mean, people. The main thing is him, you know, talking as Freddy, doing his um, you know, his little comic um jabs he does to people, you know, before he kills them. Like, I, mean, I think that would make so much fucking money. Absolutely. And stop oh. fucking around. I mean, the man's 75. Do it now. You know what I mean? Do it it's now. Like, you know, they, they dragged their ass with um, Indiana Jones, with Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford's like 120, and they're still dragging their ass <laughs> on it. Like, mm-hmm. fucking film it, man. Actually, I think yeah, but, that's the one movie I think they need a reboot for. They need a new actor to play Indiana Jones, I think. Kind of like James well, Howe. Actually, Harrison Ford said in an interview, he said he does – he. His, his wish is that he is the the only one to have the character of Indiana Jones, and that um, if there were to do another one, it would have to be like a relative, like he's the original Indiana Jones. I remember reading that and agreeing, actually agreeing with it because of I don't know, it's just an iconic character. So if they wanted to do something, maybe make it a family the member. Thing is, though, if Forever Phoenix was alive, I mean, I don't know if they would have passed the torch to him because he did a good job as young Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 yeah, I have an idea though. How about how about just having a series and just having the series end? You know, well, like <laughs> like I know I know it's Disney. So this final Indiana Jones coming up, the indie film. Yeah, five. yeah, yeah. Like Disney's gonna milk everything to fucking death. I, oh, like just Star have Wars series have people. That, to be honest with you, oh, Marvel yeah. I think yeah. is on its uh, death death nail right now because they're just out of well, character. Those franchises will live on forever. I think Indiana Jones has a very finite end, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, just just have it. I mean, you can do other types of movies like with a um, archaeologist or whatever. It doesn't have to be Indiana Jones or anything yeah. in the same universe, you know. It could just be preserve the integrity so, of the original films. And yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I mean even, even even though the Crystal Skull kind of ruined that, but. Yep. Hopefully this. Yeah. I hope this one redeems it. I mean, if is it gonna fuck it up, they probably will. But, oh no! Well, hopefully, yeah, get will. the Ghostbusters treatment right. But it's you know, Disney, we, we, we love Jason Reitman's version of, of Ghostbusters. We do. So hopefully we do. You know, but you need somebody Maverick, at the helm you know? who um, appreciates the the um, legacy films, which I don't know if anybody at Disney is gonna do that. But that's that's why that's why um, Top Gun works, and that's why. Um, the new Ghostbusters works. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why Cobra Kai works because you got get people involved who respect and love the, the source material, yeah. love the franchise. You know, if you got yeah. people who are just in it for the money, which I'm sure Disney's just in it for the money, they're gonna fuck it up. Cause, cause yeah. All they're gonna be thinking about is how can we keep this gravy train rolling? You know, how can mm-hmm. we spin this off and how can we get characters in here that we're gonna like yeah. we're gonna use mm-hmm. in in the future? Like, I don't want I don't want Mutt Lang or anybody. Lucas was a genius with Star Wars because he was like three movies, like every like a movie every three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and he just kind of spaced it out. He kind of had built characters. He thought things through, kind of. But I mean, other than Leia Luke relationship thing, that that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. But for the most part, <laughs> he thought everything out. 
I yeah, it's funny you mentioned the the Luke and Leia kiss because he already probably had that story mapped out and then thinking, oh, we're kind of cool that they're actually brothers and sisters, but they they kind of ran into each other. So <laughs> I don't think no, I don't think he knew. Um, the you don't think he mapped, mapped out, out the point? second and third film uh, when he wrote one? I don't, one? I don't no? think so. And he just decided yeah. to make that twist like midway through. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he wasn't planning it all out when he first wrote it, and I think his I think he had no idea that it was going to get past the first movie. Uh, okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, we had uh, we veered off from Netflix, but uh, also on Netflix, remember the big thick book East of Eden that we had to read in high school. Maybe some of us did, but I I, I remember no. it. It's John Steinbeck's book. Oh, they're yeah. gonna make a movie of. Oh, that sucks. Yes, yeah, so they're doing a limited series based on the book. Um, and um, yeah, James Dean was in the, the, the 1955 film, oh. but um, this one will have Florence Pugh attached, star in the series, and Zoe Kazan will be producing it. And what's interesting, Elia Kazan actually directed the 1955 film, so kind of a cool tie in, you know, the grandfather yeah. directs the 1955 version of East of Eden, and then Zoe Kazan is. But, but see, you know, I think they just need to, I don't know, uh, I think Chachi's right. They just need to come up with new ideas instead of doing the same things over and over and over again just with different people. You don't think the East of Eden would work as a limited series? No? Right, but as I said, it's people will kind of know what happens. It's like, why not just come out with the West of Eden or something new? Just some the rest of original <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, there's a series called Bodkin with Will Forte from Saturday Night Live, which is uh, the Obamas first scripted drama. So the Obamas, as you know, have gone from politics to producing. So we'll have to see uh, how this uh, series ends up. But it's described as a dark comedic thriller. Follows a crew of podcasters who set out to investigate the mysterious disappearance of three strangers in a coastal Irish town. Interesting. Okay. I hate it. I hate it. It sounds horrible. I hate it already. Yeah. Like anybody who would, you know, do podcasts are just total losers. <laughs> it's like, horrible, horrible time. It's embarrassing. Yeah. All right. Number 11, HBO Max. They just released off. Um, well, we've got big news on, on, on Game of Thrones. Um, early development for the first sequel a spin-off series centered on Jon Snow, guys. This is pretty exciting. I thought that story arc had finished with, you know, season eight of Game of Thrones, but no, we are getting a sequel. Um, I'm I'm wondering why they made this decision. I thought that was the end of that story arc, and we're going to see prequels and and spinoffs, but didn't well, they, uh, I think people wish. hated the last season so much that's why they're doing it. You think it's a redemption? Yeah. Kind of, I hope it's a redemption. Yeah. So in Thrones' eighth and final season, Jon Snow discovered his true name was Aegon Targaryen, which we know, heir to the Iron Throne. In the series finale, he was exiled from Westeros and journeyed north of the Wall with the Wildlings. So this will be all his adventures north of the Wall, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and that should be pretty cool. Um, they also just I, dropped. He's a great character. I mean, I people wanted to see him become king. Like they didn't like the final season. They didn't like, you know, miss all the final season. So I Is think it'd be great for them to try to, to redeem someone. Yeah, this might be. 
Yeah, kill kill Bran. If he went in the first episode, he killed um, was it Bran? Is that his name? Bran. Yeah. yeah. If, they, if Bran he killed Stark. him in the first in the first episode, he'd be like the biggest hero. <laughs> in the world. You hated Bran Stark, huh? I mean, the king. Come on, the, the, the yeah. least, the least liked character in the whole thing. Yeah. King. But we're gonna see a lot of our favorites return, I'm sure, because this is a, the same storyline, same uh, timeline. You know, there's no jump So I'm curious to see which of the original Game of Thrones cast wants, well, who survived, that is, is gonna make an appearance in this Jon Snow series. So they just dropped a poster, promotional poster for. House of the Dragon. So that's the thing. The House of Dragon is based on George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood series. Okay. This Jon Snow series, there's I don't think there's any source material for it, is there? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Yeah, so this is where well, we're You know what? That might be good, though, because, I mean, as I said, then you everybody's going to be surprised. You're right. Even though they did diverge from the books a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Because um, that's what had, was happening with Walking Dead. People were like, hey, this is going to happen. Negan's going to show up. He's going to hit somebody over the head with a baseball bat. It didn't happen the way it was. It wasn't the comic well, book. Yeah, they had two right. instead of one, right. But yeah, that, that might be a good point, Paul, is that uh, if there's no source material, you know, everyone's in the dark. Um, and then, of course, you know, House of the Dragon, of course, yeah, it's loosely uh, based on uh, Fire and Blood. Um, so yeah we'll have to see uh check that out i'm looking forward to that series also on hbo uh the westworld just dropped another a longer trailer uh, season four drops on june 26th did anyone here get into westworld i did early I on started okay i want to finish season with westworld, two. i think what happened was i think the story was already done after season two to be honest with you I mean, like, think about think about how it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be an amusement park, and now they're already leaving, and it's like, it's, I don't know. Kind of like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, interesting tie-in. That's It's the same author, Michael Creighton. He wrote Jurassic Park, and he wrote Westworld, so it's an interesting oh, wow. tie-in. Michael Creighton. Um, you're right. Season one was a great, easy watch. Uh, season two kind of got into the different parks, and then, and then all chaos erupted. Season yep. three, they're out out in the world um so but the trailer looks really dope and it's really making me want to watch um westworld and finish finish the series so chacha you're gonna give westworld another shot i can't remember i can't remember if i made it through first season or not i, I really can't remember one. yeah I may, I may not have finished the first season okay it's actually pretty good season two it's like yeah season well, two a cool was premise out. but oh, no, premise is amazing yeah there's enough stuff to watch. Yeah, there's way too much to watch. Um, season three of Hacks just greenlit um, on HBO as well. So um, have yet to get into that one. People tell me good things about it as well. All right. Num- speaking of too much to watch, number 12 on my list is uh, The Boys. Um, and you're going to see an I- yes. the iconic Stan Lee parodied by none other than Paul Reiser. And as you know, Paul Reiser is actually in... Stranger Things, so you kind of get. It's interesting. Cool. Paul Reiser is kind of like the. the yeah, it little comeback, throwback. isn't he? Yeah, the it throwback actor in both Stranger Things and The Boys. Um, yeah, he's been I, great in The Boys. I have yet to watch The Boys. Uh, can you give me a little spoiler, spoiler-free uh, review of what you've seen so far? How far are you in the series so far? For I'm caught three? up. I'm caught up. You're which all, you're I, all caught up. Which I enjoy. Um, I mean, let's say they dropped an episode today. Did they? 
Was it come out on Fridays? I think on Fridays, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't keep track of when shit drops anymore, but <laughs> yeah, like, I, th- I think it's been great. It's a, it's a great um, series. It's, you know, of course, focused on Homelander this season. Yeah. And, and him kind of taking over um, everything Oof. and kind of like almost going rogue um, in a way. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. And other people who are getting powers this season. So um, yeah, I did. I did see that that the yeah, the, the butcher will be getting some powers. So. Yes, yes. Kind of give the the boys an equal match to the soups, right? To the it does. It does. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about, it, they're completely mismatched. The the seven oh, yeah. and, and and the boys because the boys really only had one superpower. No right. Yeah. They had only one superpowered ability uh, person in their group, and no one else was. So, kind of makes sense for that to happen. Uh, can't wait to see more of, of uh, Starlight. It's cool. The boys kind of make fun of everybody. They make fun of current society. They make fun of um, you know, people being woke and everything. Like okay, now you know, pe- what did you hear about like uh, Trump being loosely based uh, on the Homelander character? I did hear that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's true. I think. I think Trump would probably would see that as a um a compliment. A compliment, yeah. Yeah, I, I could see him yeah. had like going on to well, I guess it's true social now and just saying, Hey, uh, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see, man. But um I think we'll next week we'll I'll be able to talk more about the boys in depth. So listeners stay tuned for that. I'll be hopefully caught up by then. So I'm, now that I'm done stranger things. Um over on Hulu, this is a really cool show with Zoe Deutsch. Have you seen Zoe Deutsch? She's like Leah Thompson's beautiful daughter. Nah. smoking smoking i mean she looks just like leah thompson um well not exactly she, but you know no she does no, she looks just like her she looks just like her right just like because they showed a picture of um, her when she was young and then her yeah. daughter and that's yeah. just like or just her. go back to the back to the future movies that's exactly what yeah, she looks like, like her. yeah but um she's got this new series which is pretty cool it's it's kind of kind of makes fun of, of of people the attention um attention hordes basically but it's called not okay and basically, her character told a very big lie after a terrorist attack. So she kind of photoshopped herself with a major terrorist attack, kind of like being the survivor and like, whoa, look at okay. me, kind of. Wait, wait, like, wait a second. I know somebody else who did that. Wasn't that like what AOC did in front of that wall with the people crossing? <laughs> did she do the same thing? <laughs> yeah. So I guess, I guess that's, I guess maybe it's based on AOC. <laughs> And she's like, then you see the process of her photoshopping herself in the Parisian backdrops, and then she claims that she almost died in the attacks where she was basically. You know that definitely AOC because AOC said she almost died during the Capitol riots and she wasn't even there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's loosely based on AOC. Um, so the trailer looked pretty fun. I might, I might check it out. All right, number fourteen, Paramount Plus. Um, some, some. Paramount Plus is really trying. They're not yep. there yet. They're not up there with Disney Plus or Netflix or even HBO Max. But you know what? I, I honestly kind of like that new Star Star Trek series. I think that's a lot better than some of the other ones. They, okay, Star, the Star Trek, the Discovery. No, the other one, the, the, the uh, what is Strange New Worlds? Oh, Strange New Worlds. Yes, yes, that one. Well, apparently another big one is um, <clears throat> Paramount Plus's um, Yellowstone prequel. Um, now apparently they originally wanted it to be called 1932. They're changed it to right. 1923. Yes. 
Um, and this is a big one. It's Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. I mean, those are two huge oh, names. Yeah. And they're doing television, which is crazy. It, um, it's definitely crazy, yeah. It, it's crazy. I mean, I, I've never heard of Harrison Ford doing a television show before. This will I mean, be he'll probably, he probably won't be in, in the whole series. It might just be on one episode. Okay. Yeah. So this is, um, yeah, this is, uh, I guess, in between the 1883 and then, of course, the contemporary Yellowstone that we've seen. 1883 uh, is great. 1883. Give it, it's about May, yeah. Did you give it a watch? Not yet. I, I've only watched a little bit of a Yellowstone, and that's because we had an actor, uh, Dedham Richards. You'll need to watch Yellowstone to see this. Oh, I don't need to see Yellowstone and watch 1883. 1883 no, no, is I, a lot better than Yellowstone. Oh, okay. And it's also a limited series, so it's only, yeah, so that's another plus. Just one season, yeah, just one season for that. Exactly. You know, th- like, the people end up becoming the, um, you know, they're like the um, ancestors of the, of the Duttons. Of the Duttons, right. The, right, the, but... The, um, Yellowstone Ranch. Yeah, but you don't get much out of it from um, watching Yellowstone. Okay, good to know. Also on Paramount Plus, they're doing a supernatural teen drama series. Of course they would, right? Oh, that's they gotta get awesome. those. They gotta get the CW demographic, right? Um, <laughs> it's called Wolfpack, and uh, revolves around werewolves <laughs> as develop. Um, and it's but it's unconnected to the Teen Wolf uh, or the upcoming Paramount Plus film sequel. It's not great, but it's called Wolfpack. So. Um, Wait a also, second. Are they trying to force a like wolf werewolf thing on people because they have Teen Wolf too? Yeah, I guess so. I think they want they want to monopolize the uh, werewolf market. So it's going to be like the vampire thing from like ten years ago. Oh, exactly. That was the worst. Where everything was about the vampires. Everything was about the vampires. <laughs> so now it's all werewolf. <laughs> we'll see how the werewolf trend uh, you know goes though. Um, well, even True Blood became all about the werewolves too. <laughs> That's true. Vampires and Shark. That, that was a Jump the Shark series. Yeah. It yeah, started really started strong. Off, and then, it started off great. Yeah, it was very cool. I'm like, got, okay, well, here's how it would be if vampires try to, like, you know. Integrate with werewolves. Yeah, no, integrate with our society. And then right. all of a sudden, like, you start having werewolves and fairies and shapeshifters and all this other shit. Like, it should have <laughs> stuck, stuck with the vampires. Would have been yeah, exactly. Well, what about Peyton List, one of your favorites from Cobra Kai? She's got a, a series on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, called School Spirits, um, focuses on a teen stuck in the afterlife who decides to invest, investigate her mysterious disappearance. Oh wow! So she's kind of like the angel or her ghost um, no. investigates her, her uh, disappearance. Um, does does Angel wear a bikini? <laughs> <laughs> Love is painless. I, I think I think you're a fan of painless. Um, I am. <laughs> Also, Sylvester Stallone has a series on Paramount Plus called Tulsa King. Oh, Wait, this don't from... tell me he's in the series. He's in a series. What? Has he ever Sylvester been in a series Stallone before? is in a series called Tulsa King, and the teaser just dropped. And this is by Taylor Sheridan, also the creator of uh, Yellowstone. And then this is uh, Stallone's first regular TV role of his career. Wow. He plays Wait. Dwight Manfredi, a New York Mafia head who finally gets out of jail after a 25-year sentence. He's unceremoniously relocated to his boss in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to establish criminal operations there. Wow. I could oh, see him as a monster. He's, he's one of your favorites, Paul, isn't he? I mean, I know him. I mean, he's pretty cool, yeah. I've he's worked with back, him on a commercial cool. and, and uh, was really, really cool, the Rocky commercial. 
I mean, I what was he just all... like sitting back smoking cigars in between scenes or? It was him and Chris like Rock, and it was a really fun commercial. It was, uh, it was, it was awesome. Wait, did, did Chris Rock get hit by Will Smith by chance? <laughs> not, not on that set. <laughs> it wasn't like, wasn't like Rocky and Chris Rock. Rocky and Chris Rock, exactly. <laughs> Who's the real yeah, Rock? Like, they should have had Dwayne Johnson come out too. I'm the Rock. But, but um, yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, Stallone's a national treasure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, he's, he's a. I mean, I mean, I'd love to see a story based on his life. There was a story no. from Creed. Like when I worked on Creed, we were filming in this neighborhood in Philadelphia. He went to everybody's house. He knocked on the door, said, hey, you can take pictures with me. Can we film here? Yeah, he he's very, he's very friendly he, with photo ops. Like most people wouldn't do that. I mean, most people would be like, just send some dude and ask permission. On the, on the he commercial, he the walked off in between takes like, who wants a selfie? And everybody just like, <laughs> and production was so like, oh my God, Sly, what did you do? What did you do? They were like, <laughs> of course I had to be in the mix, like trying to get one. <laughs> did you get one? I got one, but it's not the best, but I'll show it oh, to yeah. you. I think you've seen it. Maybe you haven't, but uh, I think I've seen it. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll pass it on to you guys. <laughs> All right. Number 15, um, Apple. Apple probably on the the bottom barrel of the streaming. They're platform. the bottom barrel. They are. They're they're below <laughs> Peacock. <laughs> they have Peter Capaldi from Doctor Who, uh, in an eight episode crime thr- thriller called Criminal Record. It's set in the heart of contemporary London. Uh, also, Billy Crystal has a series on uh, Apple Plus called Before, where he'll play Eli, a child psychiatrist and recent widower. Encounters a troubled young boy. Okay. I mean, Apple—they're getting all the big names, like so many stars. But I don't think they had one really huge crossover hit. Ted Lasso is probably the only one. Ted Lasso, probably, yeah. It's like, the only one that I can think of, yeah. But you know, like, like you know, not like a—that's not even on like a Stranger Things level. I thought Servant was going to last two more seasons, like ending it early. Servant, yeah, it's had a decent run, right? They're shooting yeah, season five well, now. Yeah, right? but I mean, originally they said there was going to be like two extra seasons after this, but I mean, seven they, seasons. I guess yeah, I guess they just figured, hey, uh, it's not uh, doing well enough. That's a lot for streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, that's what's planned uh, from what I hear. I mean, I heard okay. there was, like, so I don't know what's going on. But the upcoming season five is the last season, though, right? As mm-hmm. far as what you've heard. Yep. Okay. All right. The only thing was... it's still around because Apple has more money than God. Is the only reason why <laughs> they're still doing it. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. And they they're have, throwing like, a lot of money at this. And they have probably have the baseline amount of viewers they need to keep it afloat. But it's You're not not shambling, you know? there, there's no. no way they're breaking even. There's no way they're breaking even. No, they're, they're losing money, I think. Yeah. We'll have to see. All uh, right. And well, of course I'm in it, but and of course Big Paul's in it as well. <laughs> that's where that's why it's worth checking out, right? All right. Uh, number sixteen, the Hollywood Walk of Fame has new stars. Um, so for motion pictures category, Ludacris, which is interesting because he's known as a rapper. Wait a second. Movies. Right, no, right? Ludacris. I, I can't, I can't see that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he was in the Fast and Furious movies, but still crazy. No, well, uh, he should, he should, he should never get a star because he was in the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> Bill <laughs> Pullman. Who's deserving? I see that. Yeah, he deserves it. What was he? Who's he? He's been in a lot of movies. I think he was an alien. He was in. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's been in a. What else was he in? Was he in, yeah. space, was he in Spaceballs? Or is that Bill Pullman? Not Fast and Furious, though, right? 
He was in Fast and Furious. I'm pretty sure Bill Pullman was in Spaceballs, too. Maybe I'm... Vince Vaughn, Uma Thurman, and Baltimore icon John Waters are getting stars in the motion picture category. Yeah, definitely um, Vince Vaughn, Uma Thurman, and John Waters definitely deserving. Yeah. And posthumously... I have have respect for the, the Hollywood Walk of Fame because they came out and said that, you know, we're never going to, like, once you have a star, it's going to be there forever. We're never going to get rid of stars on the Walk of that, Fame. Wait, is that true? Does Kevin Spacey still have a star on the Walk of Fame, or did he get one? Well, I know Donald Trump's star has been defaced multiple times. Yeah. Well, they kept them putting it back, though. Yeah, cause I, think it, I think it might have been a Trump. They've been trying to, trying to get rid of it, mm. and then maybe it was Spacey after that. But, like, they said, like, once we have it, that's it, which is, is great because otherwise people will start attacking every – every star on there and be like, you should remove this, you should remove this. And then it'd be well, a Cosby I'm sure has one too, right? Yeah. Has to have one TV. Oh yeah. All right. So TV uh, stars, um, getting, um, stars in the walk of fame include John Favreau, uh, oh, Mindy yeah. Cowling, Martin Lawrence, Garrett Morris, Ellen Pompeo, and very deserving Ralph Macchio. Oh, nice. It's interesting. He's getting a TV star, but he was known for the the movies early yeah, in his career. I think he should get a movie star instead. But of he's TV. getting a TV star, I guess, for Cobra Kai. Well, well even Favreau was. Favreau, Wait, did he never have a TV star, a movie star before? No, maybe this is. I'm guessing this is. Do, are you allowed to have more than one star for a different category? Oh, I'm not sure. But, but what about Favreau? Wasn't he I just doing he movies? I mean, other than writing for Star Wars. Uh, yeah, he initially he John Favreau guy. was all about movies. So yeah, that's a good point too. Interesting but, that it's for TV. But how much more room do they have adding all these stars? Like, how you know what I mean? Boulevard like, is only so long. long right. <laughs> yeah. Go to the next state. Um, let's see. For music, Jonas Brothers, um, posthumously Jenny Rivera. Uh, also, Mark Anthony, Sheila E., Lenny Kravitz, Blake Shelton, Charlie Wilson, and Irving Azoff. Um, and I don't know Irving Azoff. Lana Lang, Melba Moore, and Pentatonics for live theater. Wow, Pentatonics hasn't been around too long. They're all really young. They're already getting a star on the walk. Uh, well, somebody uh, says you have to pay for it. Do you think that might be the case? I think studios have contributed for getting it pays. But like, like John Waters should have had a star a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, he should have. I mean, he's kind of a legend. But he, but I mean, he like, doesn't have the studio backup, you know? It's always weird when you see people get a star and they they hadn't had a star. You're like, I'm like, like yeah, I'm just shocked yeah. that some of these people don't get stars. Yeah. Well, come it's to not, think of it, why does I mean, I mean, is it just for The Apprentice? I mean, I can't think of what else he was in. Yeah, The Apprentice. I think, yeah, I think, it, was, I think it was for the. I think it was mainly for The Apprentice. Like, mm-hmm. it ran for ten seasons. Did it run that? Yeah, oh, something. Run that. So, yeah, along those lines. It's, the show's been, and then it had like uh, Celebrity Apprentice and The Regular Apprentice. There have been several uh, iterations of that, so it's been all Rogan has some. Joe Rogan. Because uh, I think he probably deserves them because he was on news radio for a long time and then he was on uh, Fear Factor for a long time. Yeah. I'm Does not Paris sure if he has one? one or not. I'm not sure if uh, Rogan has one or not. We'll have to check that one. Fact Paris check Hilton that one. one. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. Number Does 17. Does Paris Hilton have one? Paris. Does Paris Hilton have a star <laughs> on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I don't think she deserves one. <laughs> House of Wax was a great movie. That was an underrated movie. Um, Shachi, does Paris Hilton have a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Okay, no. I don't know, man. 
her and Kim Kardashian, I mean, Something, yeah. I mean, this article says Hollywood Walk of Fame to dedicate gutter to Paris Hilton. A gutter? Yeah, that can't be real, right? <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that true? That makes a little more sense, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's accurate. It, it must be like a parody article or I something. Want to be, one of those fake news uh, sites that you see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on. Almost done here. Number 17. Uh, this is this story is really really sad. It's Canadian actor Ryan Grantham. Um, he's been on Riverdale, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, he's had some good credits, but um, yeah, he pleaded guilty to second degree murder of his mother, his own mother, dude. It's, it's oh my god, really disturbing. Apparently, uh, yeah. So, uh, so apparently, he had a plot after killing his mother to uh, to kill. Um, it attempted a pr- assassination against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in Canada. Jesus Christ. Too well. Yeah, well, you know, which one does after they kill their mother. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who does? It's, it's insane. Um, so apparently the, the charge carries an automatic life sentence, which obviously is. But court proceedings were held to determine if he would be eligible for parole, come on. Eligible for parole for that? Hey, don't, give him, don't give him parole. I mean, you, you kill your mother. You, you <laughs> should just be it. Canada has so... They're, they're very, very relaxed on certain laws. Well, see, see that's the thing. I mean, is he... Should he get a mental institution rather than jail? Or Because, uh, I mean, it's like murder, but, I mean, it sounds like he's not, like, right in the head. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. In 2020, in March of 2020, he shot his mother in the back of the head as she was playing piano. Oh, Cold. He planned the killing in advance and rehearsed his actions, considering the murder for about 15 minutes. Um, and then he um, filmed a four-minute video on GoPro in which he confessed to the crime and sh- showed his mother's body, which was witnessed oh. in court. Oh, God. That's awful. Dude, this kid had... Imagine, all- imagine having a kid and a kid ends up killing you. Like, I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> it can't be anything worse than that. That's like the worst. Or even a, a parent killing their own kid. I think it's just the worst. Yeah, 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 the worst. It's like the worst thing I've ever heard. And and he's been in Riverdale. He's been in iZombie, Supernatural, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Guys. Uh, that film that. is cursed, isn't it? Because, I mean, I heard there's all kinds of deaths involved in that film. Oh. Um, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. They say, like, they say like a lot of like crew members died. They say... I mean, Heath Ledger, of course, died. So they they said there was a curse on that film, so maybe that's oh, horrible. Wow. Oh man, definitely rest in peace to the mother. Um, number oh. eighteen, Dave Chappelle's high school alma mater won't have a theater named after him after all, and oh, a lot of it has to do with Dave Chappelle, basically saying that he didn't want to draw his attention to you know the school. You know, um, did school say something to him, or did yeah. they like? He said it would be a distraction for the students. So it was really just Dave, Dave Chappelle's call. And they're probably like easily like, yeah, let's do that. Let's not get any controversy on our hands, you know? LeBron James, who's a lot worse than Dave Chappelle. $100,000 uh, Dave Chappelle donated to that school, you know? They should give it back. Yeah. Oh, he should get the money back? Oh, yeah. Get that, get that money back. If, if you're... Yeah, well, I remember this whole story where the school was the school was was um 
didn't have like students that were trying to go against it and the students, there were trans were, students that were yeah, but we don't want we don't want all that money for the school and it's like you know and I, I think that's why dave Chappelle ended up like pulling out because like mm-hmm. everybody was all like all pussyfooting around about the whole thing like yeah well, get the money back then you know if, if his money is no good if he's a horrible person then get the money back and you know have your little shitty school you know with your um you know with your VCRs and um, well, you know that the, the TVs, the big thick, the big thick TVs that you roll out, you know, with the VCR for <laughs> for film, for movie day or whatever you have, you know, the old technology and, right. and the this and the little uh, projecting. The um, you remember those yeah, things? Projecting, yeah, the little projecting. You put like the little. Um, <laughs> You put Guess the little the... Uh, transparent um, things on the projector to, to um, project it onto the wall. <laughs> oh my God, you're like, dating us. Yeah. But, uh, but guess what it's called? Because it c- goes completely against everything that Chappelle does. It's going to be called the Theater for Artistic Freedom and Expression. How ironic is that? Because <laughs> that is Dave Chappelle has been censored by so many groups, you know, and, and been um, villainized by so many groups due yeah. to his comedy, which, at, you know, his comedy is jokes, people. That's what they are, they're jokes. That's you know, and, I mean, that's what he's basically, he's not like, he's just telling it how it is. And if people don't like it, just don't listen to what he says. You know what I mean? You don't, he's not, you're paying to see him. He's not paying to see you or how you, you know what I mean? Right, right. I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy, but uh, I don't know. And it's it's interesting. Uh, Jared Carmichael, have you heard of him? He's um, a comedian who recently came out as gay. He's got a new HBO special called Rathaniel. Yeah, and he, he said he came out talk, as gay too. Um, Stevie Wonder. Well, yeah. He talked about Chappelle. He says, Chappelle, do you know what comes up when you Google your name? Um. Basically, um, when you search for Dave Chappelle online, it's about his opinions on the trans community. And he says, your legacy is a bunch of opinions on trans shit. That's an odd hill to die on. It's like, hey, bro, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck? What do you like to do? Childish joke aside, who the fuck are you? It's just kind of played, but he's choosing to die on the hill. So all right, let him. Wow. Well, see that. See that's the problem. I mean, I bet you anything. If you go to Wikipedia, they probably say that stuff about Dave Chappelle. They don't say anything about the comedian because I mean, it's because random people could put stuff on Wikipedia, yeah. and that's their opinion. It's not facts. Yeah. I have to check yeah, nothing, the <laughs> Wikipedia. Nothing that comedian said was funny in that whole um, article. Right. And, um, Dave Chappelle. Who? Who the heck are you? It's like. Well, nobody knows you, dude. Except for except for you're bashing the um, one of the greatest comics alive today. I think popular he's comics. probably the greatest comic alive today. I mean, he's like the yeah. modern. I guess he would be. I'm trying to think if he would. He. I mean, he's just a comic. Modern Rich Pryor, modern Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he's one of the greats, man. All right, all right. Moving on to number 19. Um, have you seen Sydney Sweeney? Oh my God, she is amazing there's a movie called the warriors you have to see she's also naked a lot in euphoria and she uh wowed every like litter jaw-dropping outfit that she wore at the mtv uh movie and tv awards uh she was talking about her sex scenes in euphoria and she says she doesn't know how to communicate without showing her body which is pretty (laughs) awesome to say and she's talking about her character cassie 
that is a form of communication for her. She was never taught that you don't need to do that. Um, she also talked about working with intimacy coordinators. And she said, it's a very safe environment. I feel very fortunate that I'm coming up during a time where there's intimacy coordinators. I have weirdly become very confident with my body through Cassie. Um, because she was talking about earlier how she actually talked to the producers about having a little less nudity where she felt it wasn't necessary. And then she's in a conversation with Christina Ricci on this thing. And Christina Ricci said, I haven't done a sex scene in a couple of years. I'm at that age where they don't ask you to do so much anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't really yeah. enjoy them. <laughs> and then Ricci said, Christina Ricci said something pretty hot. She's like, one time she took matters into her own hands on his film set and opted to stay naked the entire time, even when the sex scenes weren't taping. She said that Sweeney said she wouldn't have that wouldn't happen today because they throw robes at you as soon as you're done. Right. But she was like, yep. don't make me feel weird. Like I'm the person who has to be ashamed. I just stayed naked and I would talk to crew members naked. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wish I was gaffer or key grip on that day. <laughs> do you know, do you know, like I bet you every guy on that whole set was like eyes forward, like not looking down at all. They're probably afraid to death to like do anything inappropriate. Yeah, but this was years ago. This is before the oh, movement. Yeah. Oh, this is years ago. Okay. Yeah, because okay, she hadn't done a sex scene in quite know. some time. Whereas, whereas Sydney Sweeney, they give you robes right away to cover up in between. There's yeah, intimacy okay. coordinator. So I guess uh, they're talking yeah. about the difference in sex scenes when Christina Ricci did them to when Sydney oh, yeah. Sweeney. It's definitely different now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've seen Sydney Sweeney. She's a smoke <laughs> show. Woo. She's got the biggest natural yeah. bazongas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's hot she's super hot um all right oh, uh really quick oh, wow. number 20 is the me too stuff uh oscar-winning director paul haggis detained sunday in a southern italian town uh, on charges of sexual assault and aggravated personal injury um See, if it's actually really hot. Assault, i have problems with that but if somebody says something they shouldn't be like i don't know yeah i mean Apparently, she's accusing um, this woman is accusing Haggis of uh, forcing her to engage sexual intercourse against her will over the course of three days. Not soon. That's, that's not right. Yeah, where Haggis was scheduled to hold a series of master classes. Um, certainly, the master classes that she didn't intend to take. Right. Um, you know what? I have to say, master class has a really bad reputation with the Me Too movement, doesn't it? I mean, because they had Kevin Spacey, they had who was the other one? Right. Um, who was the other one that got canceled? Uh, the guy who, uh, what's his name? They've had several. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I'm not recalling really quick. Uh, um, and another one is Bill Cosby. Apparently, the, the civil jury found Bill Cosby um, that sexually abused Judy Huff in 1975 when she was 16 years old, Ooh, ordering him to pay five hundred thousand. Um. Well, I mean, isn't that jail time if you're assaulting a 16-year-old? I mean, it, yeah, apparently this is what happened. I mean, I know it's, I know it's past the deadline, but still, that's sick. That's still yeah, like... statute of limitations. Yeah. So apparently, Cosby lured her and her friend to the Playboy Mansion a few days after meeting him in the park. Um, and uh, was it the Playboy Mansion or just the regular mansion? Um, she alleged that Cosby got her alone in the bedroom pulled down his sweatpants, grabbed her hand, and, and used it to masturbate himself, forcing her into a sexual act. Um, 
And apparently, yeah, apparently Bill uh, said um, just, just, you know, I think he was trying to like tell her to say uh, that, oh, no, she was only uh, 16 or 17 or whatever. Uh, or no, to admit that she was of age, you know, when, when she did it or whatever. Um, I don't know. Well, really? actually, wait, if you do that, shouldn't you go to jail? Because, I mean, that's like actually trying yeah. to. Because that means he knew she was underage. Right. Yeah. I think the statute of limitations kind of. Uh, I know, but still, I mean, but, but in that case, it's like if that's that's what happened. I mean, it's like, yeah, he should probably go to jail for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And then and then telling her to lie about her age. I mean, I, so that means you knew she was sixteen. I mean, he, there's no excuse of not knowing that she was sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So Bill Bill Cosby is not looking too good for the pudding man, is it? No, no. Um, and Vince McMahon. All right. So Vince McMahon apparently he's in the mainstream news now. Um, because there's an ongoing investigation into alleged misconduct, paying three million to a former employee to keep quiet about an alleged affair he had well, with I, her, which we don't I, know who it is. Well, well, didn't something happen with Sable or something? He had to pay Sable money for doing something. We, they didn't divulge who it was. We don't know who it was. Well, no, this was, was a paralegal, was, wasn't it? I remember there was a story years ago that like he did something with Sable, and that's why Sable left. And then sued him, and then they somehow happened. To, to I don't. You lawsuit. know what? I wonder if it was Sable, and he just. I don't think so because would Brock Lesnar be employed? Sable is Brock's wife. No, right? no, they, they no, made no. Up. This yeah. was a this was a um, paralegal. They said. Oh, this was a paralegal. Yeah. Okay, I I don't have an update on this one, but um, it wasn't a wrestler. It was not a wrestler. But they okay. also said his marriage is kind of strange too. They said like Linda lives off by herself, and he lives off by himself. So I I guess they they. Don't have marriage. I mean, if they're yeah, if they're living separately and he wants to, you know, have a relationship with someone he works for, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, well, they said it was, it was a consensual um, relationship. Consensual, right? Yeah. So I don't see why this is a big story. They're they're calling it alleged misconduct. I guess because he's paying three million to keep quiet about the affair. Um, no, well, he's paying by paying three million not to get caught by his wife. That's what I mean. He paid more for hush money than he paid for WCW, I think. That's what they said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, only person got, the only person that got screwed from WCW getting purchased was us, the fans. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, WCW could have been good. I mean, what they should have done is kept it separate and have that be like SmackDown instead of like have Raw WCW verse. What I thought they were going to do, but they didn't want to pay for any of the big names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, because his name so, was Booker T, he wasn't even like a big star then. He was the only one that actually made any impact on WWE. Yeah, really. He's yeah. the only one, Booker T. But Stephanie McMahon will serve as interim CEO and chairwoman until the investigation is complete. Um, however, Vince McMahon will still be head booker of the on-air product and re- well, retain isn't his he, roles. Like, still coming out on like like he just came out on Raw, didn't he? SmackDown. Vince McMahon made a beef appearance on Friday Night SmackDown about after the company announced that he'd be stepping back from his CEO role. And all he said was, it is a privilege, as always, to stand before you here tonight, the WWE Universe. I'm here simply to remind you of the four words we just saw and what we call our WWE signature. Those four words are, then, now, forever, and together. The most important word being together. Then, now, forever, together. Welcome to SmackDown. That's all he said. That is all he said. 
Yeah, I, guess I watched it. I was disappointed. You you watched it because you were hoping he would spill spill some tea on right? YouTube. Well, I, I thought he was start we started yelling about stuff and like. Right. So apparently, amid all the scandal, like, engulfing WWE yeah. and Vince McMahon. I didn't screw Brett, but I did screw that woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been epic if he said that. That would have yeah. been so cool. Like, uh, trust me, if it would have been back in the day with um, Vince Russo and back to the Monday Night Wars, you would have seen uh, you know, whether that would have hurt his trial or, or investigation, or whatever. You would have seen that back then. Yeah. And it would have been awesome. Well, wasn't one of the storylines where he like cheated on like uh, his wife with like uh, somebody Trish, else? And then Trish he was gonna... Stratus, I think, right? Oh yeah. Didn't he have a storyline with Trish Stratus? He was going to be like the father of Stephanie's baby, which didn't go through. Which <laughs> I thought was like a really bad storyline. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel yeah, bad for Linda. Dude, if, wanted if she... to be the father of Stephanie's baby, and it's like, how? Yeah. What makes you think that's a good idea? If Linda is That's, being faithful to Vince, I feel bad for her that she got cheated on. But I mean, I don't see Linda actually like banging Vince. Do you? But if they're living apart, does it matter? I mean, well, Linda, Linda, they're both in their seventies. So do you yeah. think people in their seventies are? Well, I guess men is different. Mm-hmm. I think Vince. I mean, you know, Vince he's all jacked up, <laughs> testosterone yeah. and steroids and stuff. I think yeah. he's still going. I think I think Linda's been over that for a long time. Yeah, I think Linda's done. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but just a couple wrestling things. So there's a I think we're done. Yeah, really quick though. Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton was the original plan for SummerSlam because I mean that would have been a nice yeah. match that we haven't seen in a long. We have seen it years ago, but we haven't seen it in a long time. But because of like his injury, uh, Roman Reigns apparently is now going to face Brock Lesnar for like the hundredth time. Oh, and, okay. I just I don't know. It's just a lot a lot of injuries. I mean, you know that Cody Rhodes has a torn pectoral muscle, still wrestled at Hell in a Cell with a torn pectoral dude. And he still wrestled his match against Seth Rollins. He's on the shelf now. Big E has a broken neck. Um and Roman Reigns took a long hiatus. And he won't be back till uh Money in the Bank. So or sorry, so much like the they fired most of their up-and-coming talent, which made no sense. That's the thing, dude. You think I mean, they should they should bring some I, of these folks back, right? Or even Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt could have the pop if you brought him back. I mean, Bray Wyatt would be a perfect guy to bring back to face Roman Reigns. There were rumors they were still talking about Bray Wyatt. Um, I think Braun Strowman would be great if he, he'll agree to a, a lesser deal. But See, they, don't, they, they need those names. Thing. So he's like actually... He has his own organization with a uh, EC3, so I don't think he's going to leave. Okay, I'll... yeah, he's under contract. Yeah, um, but not, you know, not under contract. He just owns his own organization. It's like why go to somebody else when you own your own thing? Oh, he's not. So he actually owns it with EC3. Yeah, him, him and EC3 have their own separate like organization or something. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but it's something. That, I don't know. know how well that's going to do, dude. You know. <laughs> um. But the Money in the Bank uh, is the next pay-per-view, or now it's called Premium Live Event on July 2nd. So we'll see the men's and women's ladder matches. We'll also see Ronda Rousey uh, taking on Natalia, Bianca Belair versus Carmella. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised about that. Why? Because isn't Natalia kind of up there in age? I mean, She's in her face, 40s. Yeah, the face She's kind of giving a new shot, yeah. I mean, it really has to do with... 
Well, I think a little bit has to do with Sasha Banks. Maybe Natalia is getting Sasha Banks' spot, you know? Because Sasha Banks, as you know, quit WWE or walked out and apparently is currently, uh, I guess. Uh, well, the thing is with Sasha Banks, like she can do her, like she, she doesn't care about the money. So like her uncle's Snoop Dogg. So it's not like she's hurting well, she, yeah, and she's in The Mandalorian, and I love Sasha. I mean, I'm a fan of That's, Sasha Banks. But I think she doesn't care. If she doesn't get her way, she's just like, I'm out. Because she did that before. Didn't she walk out once before? And yeah, she's, she's got like um, a diva temper, like a diva attitude about her, it seems. Yeah. Like, to walk out anytime she wants? Come on. Yeah, you can't you have know? that. It's cancer. Yeah, seriously, dude. I That's kind of what happened with Ultimate Warrior back in the day. Because, I mean, he was like, I, Ultimate Warrior tried it twice, and then he was like, you're done. I'm not going to let you back because you just keep walking out and demanding stuff. And I think that's the thing. She's not at the level where WWE is going to like yeah. agree to everything she says, you know? They'd mm-hmm. rather just not deal with her. But apparently her release has been confirmed by multiple sources. And uh, I'm not sure about Naomi because her and Naomi um, walked but out. Isn't Naomi still married to – what's his name? She's married to one of the Uso brothers. Yeah, so it's like – so I don't know why – I don't think they would get rid of her. Yeah. Naomi is no position to walk out of the company. She's crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> to risk her career. Um, but uh, we don't know what's going to go with Naomi. But I don't know. I do. I really hope they do bring Sasha back. I think she's best suited for WWE. I think AEW is really saturated with with their talent right now. And you know, I think only... Rob, that I think that's a big issue with AEW. I think there's and I think uh, EC, not EC3. Um, MJF pointed out. I mean, they're becoming WCW. They they sign too much talent, and they don't have the storylines or the. I, I just don't think. Or the TV time. time. They have they have the AEW. Uh, you know, they have a one hour program on Friday, and they have the two hour program on on, on Wednesdays. So yeah, and it's, it's not enough. Uh, I mean, so a lot of guys are just being just wasted. Kind of what WWE was doing, just trying to pour talent so that other company then get it. Yeah. And you might be starting to see some reverse with AEW, like we saw with Cody well, Rhodes. MJF, I heard, is really upset with his contract because he's going to pay minimum and he's like one of their top guys. So it's like if you're paying the guy minimum, like when he started out when he was a nobody and would not giving him a raise. Do you think it would be a I, good match for uh, WWE? I think he would be because I think you could basically put him in, in a role kind of like you did CM Punk. He could take the CM Punk like. Oh, he's one of the best. Yeah, yeah, so he would be a perfect. He's like, a good villain. heel. He gets a lot of heel heat. Um, and that's not, the type that talks, kind of like CM Punk, what they wanted to do with CM Punk, but CM Punk's never coming back, so it's like, just use him. Yeah. Well, what about Jeff Hardy, another AEW star, former WWE, and arrested if, on a drunk he, driving charge, dude. Um, Monday night, uh, apparently he was uh, charged with also not only a DUI, but driving on a suspended license and violating a restriction which required him to have an interlock device in his vehicle. This is his third drunk driving arrest in the past 10 years. I, I think he's, I think he's had issues. Cause I mean, before he left WWE, they said, Hey, you need to go to rehab. Otherwise we're going to get rid of you. Right. And they didn't mention why, but I mean, I think that there was probably issues going on there too. And it's like, it's a shame that he has, but I mean, he's definitely hurting. I mean, he's, you, you saw him in his last match. He could barely finish the match. Right. And now it makes sense as to why WWE released them. They just released him because he I was... Think, honestly, if the WWE needs people, I think they could bring him back if he agrees to do rehab. And apparently <laughs> he, he had agreed to it. Apparently, Tony Khan said they made it clear to Jeff that they'll, they'll assist him in getting treatment for substance abuse issues. 
So, but um, anyways, let's wrap it up because uh, we do have a wrestling piece tied into wrestling. Um, oh, we had a couple. Two two referees in the WWE, formerly WWE, had passed away. Interesting. Two days apart. It's crazy. That was weird. Dave Hepner, David Hepner, one half of the Hepner twins, his brother Earl, and Tim White. So Dave Hepner passed away on Friday. Tim White passed away on Sunday. Was uh, Dave Hepner active? Because he was. Uh, I thought he was a AEW. Yeah. Oh well, Earl. Earl's with, Earl's with oh, Earl's with now. Yeah. David. Uh, I always get them confused. Yeah, I mean they look exactly alike. Dave was the original one, right? Dave was the yeah. original one, yeah. Yeah, Dave was, did, yeah. He um he was in the, the iconic uh Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant match. He but ran then Earl came in and Earl's the one that got the belt off of Hogan. Right. For for Andre the Giant, right? Right. And then exactly. he gave it to the million dollar man. Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat, he was the referee for that. Wow, that's amazing. Savage versus Hogan in WrestleMania five. Who did the screw job? Was that Earl or was that Dave? No, that was um. Was that that was Little Nate, wasn't it? Was the name? Was that little? I think it was Little Nate, wasn't it? Oh, was it Little Nate? Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Is that him? Yeah. And Dave and Dave White. I mean, he's he's done a lot too, man. I mean, Dave White has been with the company. I mean, gosh. He's been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Since uh, 1985. Um. The Hell in a Cell match between Undertaker and Mankind. Uh, he, he refereed that match. So I don't yeah, know how to referee that match because it's like I'm surprised they get called. When he fell through the roof of that cage, it's like I. You wouldn't. I mean, most, it was that was the most insane thing I've ever seen. I'll never forget seeing that. Oh no, you're right. It was um. Hold on. It was um. Where was that? One the is Earl Hepner was the um, referee oh, for the Montreal okay. Screwjob. All right. Oh, it was wow, Earl. Yeah. Okay, it was Earl Hepner. Okay. Yeah, Earl, it was Earl. Yeah. Wow. So Earl's always doing the hill shit. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, Earl is still with us. Sad, sadly, we lost Dave. Dave. Was a good, good referee, and then Earl come in as be be the heel referee. Yeah. Okay. Sadly, guys, we also lost two Baltimore Ravens, an oh, NFL God, legend, yeah. Tony Saragusa. Died at the age of 55. Still fairly, fairly young. Very young. Um, no cause of death for the defensive lineman had been revealed. Um, I mean, he was the best of shape I'll be in. Like, I mean, you, you know how. He was six foot three, 340 pounds. Um, he was and nice, he, nice he, he was in the 2000 um, team that won the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I remember I went to that parade after the Ravens won downtown. Yeah, and I remember like I think I saw the Ravens were on like either like floats or cars or whatever, and he was the only one that I remember walking around um, just you know on the streets in the parade, just slapping hands and stuff, and like you know yeah, yeah, meeting fans and stuff. He always seemed like a really nice guy. He was. I I never anything bad about him. With him, I think they should put his number up in the like Ring of Honor. Yeah, that's a very good idea. They should. Twelve years with the league, compiled twenty-two sacks and. 564 combined tackles. Um, so, yeah, rest in peace, Tony Saragusa. Also, this is a really sad one, too. At only 26 years old. Wow. Baltimore Ravens outside line, linebacker Jalon Ferguson. Um, 
no cause of death, but apparently they were expecting big things from him too. I thought. Yeah, they found him unresponsive and was treated by medics. Pronounced dead on the scene, where cause of death will be determined. They're not ruling out a possibility of an overdose. So that's so so sad, man. Apparently, he had three children. Only 26 years old, he had three kids: two daughters and a son, all young, under the age of five. Jeez, man. Also, we lost James Rado, co-creator of the groundbreaking hippie musical Hair. That was the first Broadway show to feature full nudity and a same-sex kiss. So it was a groundbreaking. I remember seeing Hair uh, years ago. I think I went for my uh, my theater class uh, to see a, a production of, was it too much of hair? hair. And there was a <laughs> lot of hair down there. Yeah, too much oh, yeah. hair, yeah. <laughs> 70s, I could imagine. 70s they they stayed true i think a lot of them might have been merkins but um (laughs) also we lost maureen arthur um film tv stage actress known for her role in how to succeed in business without really trying mark shields longtime washington post columnist on pbs's news hour um passed away due to kidney failure French film great Jean-Louis Trignant, best known for A Man and a Woman. Tim Sale, um, comic book artist behind DC Comics, such as Batman The Long Halloween and Superman for All Seasons. A young actor, Tyler Sanders, a teen actor who received an Emmy nomination for his performance in Just Add Magic, Mystery City, uh, died at the age of 18, no cause of death confirmed. Wow. Wow. Young actor. He was a 911 Lone Star. Um, man, that's really sad. Um, and Tom Mann from the Stereo Kicks singer, who was an X Factor competitor in 2016. Apparently, um, his fiance passed away days before their wedding day. Um, Ooh, oh, wow. Wow. Um, really, really sad. Um, beautiful, beautiful wife. They already had a baby, baby together. Um, so definitely very sad about that. And this one is very, very tragic. This is uh, two actors from the TV show The Chosen One. There was a car crash that left two actors dead and six members of the cast and crew injured. Um, and apparently they were on their way to the airport en route from Santa Rosalia, Baja, California, to the local airport. The van was driving near the peninsula, the Baja, California sewer. When it's flipped and veered off the road into a desert area. Um, and the actors' names are Ray Garduño and Juan Francisco Gonzalez. Man, on, mm. on, you know, on production, yeah, just, just done shooting a series, done for the day, on your way to the airport with the crew, and your van flips it over, man. That's so, so sad. Horrible. Horrible. All right, with death, we always celebrate life for those. Uh, another year around the sun. I, mean, I remember working on uh, what they called the House of Cards, and we had a bus accident. Thank God no one died, though. Jeez. Well, we don't know. I mean, nobody died on the bus, but, I mean, it, it hit a truck pretty hard, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, it's all, I mean, and, of course, you know, there's Mr. Baldwin, but that's another story. And on, all right, on behalf all right, let's end it tonight, guys. With death, we always celebrate life. For those celebrating a birthday today, Meryl Streep, happy birthday, Meryl. She's 73 today. Good for her, wow. Lindsay Wagner, the original bionic woman, is 73. 
Happy birthday, Sydney Lopper. True Colors is 69 today. Wow. The goodies are good enough. Yeah, she's getting up there. Um, Bruce Campbell of Evil Dead, iconic actor, is 64. Um, Amy Brenneman is 58. Um, Carson Daly is 49. Donald Fee's on the Scrubs. 49, wow. 49, right? Donald Fee's on the Scrubs is 48. Lisa Garrison of The Connors and Roseanne is also 48. Jai Rodriguez of Queer Eye is 43. That's birthdays today. And Happy what a great birthday. show. Yeah, I know. From top to bottom, I'd like to thank, of course, our special guest earlier in the program, cinematographer Oscar Jimenez, um, when you can check it out. Hopefully, a great film called Integrity of Joseph Chambers with a cameo from Negan himself, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Jordana Brewster uh, from the Tribeca Film Festival. It was great to talk to Oscar about that film. A must-see when it's available uh, in theaters or on a streaming platform, which hopefully will be soon. We'd like to thank, of course, Darth Paul Wallace, the Sith Lord. I am a Sith Lord. Who couldn't talk Star Wars with us because, you got to watch Obi-Wan before you talk Star Wars, right? Right, right. The King of the A's, Chachi McFly, and I'm Al, Celebrity Soda host with the most. And, of course, um, continuing with great on-location interviews and post-production to be edited out is my interviews on the red carpet of Downton Abbey, a new era, Washington, D.C.'s premiere. I talked to Joanne Froggett and Elizabeth McGovern on the red carpet. So it was an exciting, exciting interview in conjunction with our friends who click on this. Ending tonight's show, guys. We will, we will see you next time. So until then... Peace. Al Soto here at the red carpet for Downton Abbey, a new era here in Washington, D.C. We're here on the red carpet tonight. We're going to talk to two of the actors, Elizabeth McGovern, Joanne Froggett, and one of the producers as well. It's going to be a bloody good time here. A smashing bloody good time here at the red carpet of Downton Abbey. I'm Al Soto. Click on this below the belt show. More to come. Stay tuned. All right, it's a pleasure to talk to Liz Truridge, one of the producers of Downton Abbey, a new era. You must be really excited for this red carpet premiere. I really, really am. I mean, what a beautiful building. What a place to host. It's almost uh, fitting for a Downton Abbey premiere. It's like perfect. Well, it's where we expect to be. <laughs> so I, I was curious, what what are you able to do in the, the movies that you're not able to do in TV series? So I've, I feel with a bigger budget, um, what, what are you able to expand on in the movie versus the TV show? You know, you have so much more time. So you can, you, you can just, it's a bigger story. We can go more places. We can take more time, and, and and so it looks. I mean, it really does look spectacular. And I have to say, judging from the first film, spectacular with the with the locations and the the cinematography was breathtaking. What can we expect in the sequel? The bar goes up. <laughs> the bar goes up. That's amazing. <laughs> I love hearing that. I love hearing that. 
You have some new cast members. Uh, one of my favorites is Dominic West, who I work with on The Wire on HBO. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. So tell me about the, the new cast members and how that worked in incorporating in this story. Well, we're crazy people because we have a principal cast of 20 and then we write more. Right. So, but it, they, they inject a freshness too. And it's, you, you can't have that many because of our principal cast being so big. But Hugh Dancy and um, Laura Haddock and Dominic West this time, they, the three of them, were, they just fitted in so well. That's amazing, that's amazing. And of course, um, how do you think, I, I, what I think is very amazing is that most of the original cast stuck through the series, the first movie, and this movie. What can you say uh, about the cast that they still want to keep reprising their roles? To be honest, it really is. We are second family to each other. We've been doing this for 12 years now. Right. And we know each other very well. And we love doing it. So it's, you know, it's, it's never easy when they're, particularly with the cast, they're so busy. But they want to come back together, so we find a way. Amazing. Have you ever thought, have you thought about the third film yet? <laughs> I want to get this one, Lord. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, very well. Thank you so much, Liz. We look forward to seeing this great sequel film, Downton Abbey and New Era. Enjoy it when you do. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you for talking to us. All right, guys, this is amazing. This is my second interview with Joanne Froggett from Downton Abbey and New Era. We're here at the DC red carpet. How does it feel to have a premiere in Washington, DC, our nation's capital? It's great. It's so exciting to be back. I'm literally in DC for about eight hours. That's it. Yeah, so it's, it feels very rock star flying in and out. I wish I could stay longer because it's such a beautiful wow. city but and I've been before and I just love it here so right. yeah it's, so, it's a very quick trip this yeah, time it's a quick trip but circling back a couple years ago you were in Annapolis Maryland not far from here for Crooked Somebody which I enjoyed immensely it was a phenomenal film and now uh, we're here for uh, Downton Abbey a new era uh, we got to ask um, what can fans expect from your character of Anna uh, without spoiling too much about the second film well I think in general about the second movie I think um, you know Judy and the team have really surpassed themselves with this movie. I've seen it twice and obviously I know what happens but it made me laugh out loud all the way through both times and both times I cried towards the end and I just left with this my heart feeling so full and warm and just it, it I just think they've completely hit the right note. It's completely it's really cinematic. It really feels like an event. It feels like you should go with your friends and go to the cinema and have afternoon tea or have a cocktail or have lunch or whatever it is that is your thing and go and kind of like watch it with other people because there's something really beautiful about that energy of watching it, you know, in an audience with other people. But Anna's in a, in a great place. She's um, she's very excited about Hollywood coming to Downton, and it's really nice to sort of see her, you know, in a place of real positivity and, and hope and joy. And I think we all wanted that for her. I know I did. And it's been nice that she's gone on such such a, you know, a, a wide character arc from the beginning. But it's really lovely yes. to sort of see her get yeah, to this I love point. That arc. And you mentioned humor. Is little more comedy in the second film? Yeah, do you know what? This one's really quite funny. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the whole Downton didn't really touch on too much comedy, right? Yeah, so we, yeah. yeah, Judas really pumped up the comedy in this one, and you know, the whole kind of movie within a movie just kind of adds to that because you just have the irony of our iconic two-time Oscar winner Dame Maggie Smith delivering these lines about scathing lines about actors and movie making. So it kind of all adds to the irony and the humor of it, but it's great. It's really wow, fun. That's an interesting twist. I can't wait to see that that aspect. Now, what do you think that the films can bring that the TV series wasn't able to do? Um, I think probably what I just mentioned, that you can you can sort of take it as an event. You know, you can have yeah. go and see a matinee, go and see an evening show, whichever it is, and make a day of it, make an afternoon of it. Um, it is something that is to be enjoyed, and it's, it's really entertaining. And like I say, it looks beautiful. And um, yeah, it's something that should be shared, so. And what I love that is that the original cast pretty much stayed the same throughout the entire series and both films. Uh, why do you think that the actors love coming back uh, again and again? Well, um, great storytelling. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's been wonderful to be part of what turned into this phenomenon. I mean, my goodness, yes. it's wonderful to be part of something that's been so successful and brought so many people so much joy. But ultimately, we all get on really well. And I think if we didn't, maybe that wouldn't have happened. But we, we do genuinely have a lovely time making it. And um, and that's obviously a big part of it as well. I love it. And I hope you feel at home. There's some fish and chips and, and pies here. I haven't here. seen that yet. It's, it's, it's being passed around. So no, no we, we hope you feel at home here in Washington, D.C. Bring a little, bring a little bit of across the pond here in D.C. Terrible British food just yeah. to make us feel at home, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. I, lo I love it. So Thank you so much, Joanne. Thank you very much. You're very lovely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I love the fact we actually got to talk to an American at the Downton Abbey <laughs> of Red Carpet. Elizabeth McGovern, amazing actress. You've been an amazing body of work. Amazing uh, body. Yeah, and that too, right? <laughs> Forget about the work. <laughs> Are you really only the, the only American in Downton Abbey? One of the few, at least. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I had my brother came for a little bit, but I got rid of him. Wow. My mother came for a little bit. I got rid of her. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how did how did it feel being the sole Yankee on set? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 somebody had to do it, right? You can't have it all be British. <laughs> now, did you fall in love with the British culture and, and living in England while shooting this and all over the place? I think I'm still slightly mystified by it, but I'm used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> now, what can fans expect from your character in the second film, without any spoilers, with your character? In this film, Cora has a secret. And you don't really know it until the very end. And the secret erupts in a, a kind of a little explosion when they go to France. Wow. Explosion. I'll leave the rest. And Joanne also told me there's more humor in this second film. Is that true? It's really funny. And wow. I'm so proud of it. It's, it's fresh and it's alive. And it's like kind of a big hug. It'll, I think it'll make people feel good, which is nice today. I think people are sick and tired of feeling stressed and anxious and depressed. Oh my God, the perfect movie we need right now is, is a new era. So. I think so. It's it's like it's like a it's like it's a comfort food, really. Yeah. Now, how was um, shooting with, with the pandemic in mind and all the precautions going on while on set? Well, it's easier for me than the production. Um, you know, because the actors get to rip off their masks and have fun, and the crew, I barely knew what they looked like by the end because everyone's in a mask, and, and that's tough. But we did it. 
you know, we, we miraculously got through the whole thing without any days lost. And so where there's a will, there's a way. I love it. I love it. And what do you think uh, is the reason why actors keep returning to Downton Abbey after the series and two films, maybe more films, it seems like everybody loves coming back and reprising their roles? Yeah, you know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. You know, that's why we do it. I love it. It seems that like you're all having a a, blo a bloody blast on set. Particularly on this one. <laughs> oh my God. So we're so looking forward to it. And one more question for my producer. She wants to know how it was working with Brad Pitt. I know you did a film back in 94. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> yes. Cast my mind back. And would you like to work with him again? Yes, please. <laughs> that was an easy answer. Yeah. I didn't have to think about that one for too long. <laughs> and other projects you have coming up, Elizabeth, that we can talk about? No, I've just finished performing in a play I wrote, and oh, I'd like cool. to do more of that. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I adapted it from a book, which is slightly different from writing it. But, um, oh, amazing. Yeah. So um, that was such a thrill for me that um, I hope I can think about the next thing in that way. Wow. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the title and where we can see it? Yeah, it's, it's called Ava, The Secret Conversations, and it's based on a book of the same name, and it's about Ava Gardner's last years that she spent in London. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is so tremendous. Yeah, you got to love the stage, though. That's very, very important to still... Oh, yeah. I, and, and that's something I, I have a passion to get back and do because I feel like it's time for people to get out of their houses and to have communal experiences in the dark again. <laughs> so uh, that's what I want to do most of all. Awesome. Well, we look so forward to checking out the second film of this Downton Abbey, A New Era. Thank you so much for talking with us. Here, Thank click you. on this and below the bell. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoy it. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.